Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I am Ken Napsack. And this is the Clone Wars Report. Oh, perfect, perfect. You started with a great classic newsreel noise, and then you were shattered. You wound down. And that, I think, is uh, perfectly representative of this episode. This is episode 15 of our podcast, Clone Wars Report. But here on episode 15, we'll be discussing the 11th episode of season 7 of The Clone Wars. And that episode is, of course, called Shattered. Written by Dave Filoni, directed by Saul Ruiz. Ruiz, uh, I apologize uh, for the stumble on the pronunciation there. Uh, And, you know, we don't always say this because it's true all the time, but... 
music by Kevin Kiner, which I think the music's going to come up a couple times as we discuss this episode. Ken, uh, we always talk a little bit about the title, uh, Shattered, and our overall reaction to the episode before we dive into all of the big picture stuff and juicy details. So what did you think of Shattered, both the title and the reality? I mean, this is uh, what the Rolling Stone song is really about. I, I, I really think this is it. Now, all, all shattered all around, shattered in, in the best of ways. We love, we love that sweet, sweet uh, depression, broken hearts. I don't know. Sometimes we're addicted to the bad things. And this episode just was giving you heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And it, and it was a good kind of shattered. Um, and overall, just uh, what can you say? We're going to really dive into this. this the reactions episode is is so positive around the fandom with good reason. And I got to tell you, my first viewing was filled with dread and nerves for something I've seen coming since 2005. And that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, Shattered is such a great title because we are getting the perspective from some very big Star Wars characters, but we haven't fully got their perspective before is everything they know changes in an instant uh, shattered is such a great way to capture that both uh in terms of like what is really happening uh, up to a physical point and certainly an emotional point and i think uh you you encapsulated it really well i just always think of tragedy this is truly this part is truly the tragedy of anakin skywalker the tragedy of the failure of the jedi and it just is reverberating out through the galaxy and this whole episode is uh this is a weird way to phrase it but celebrating <laughs> the tragedy you know just digging in and making you feel it um a couple of real big picture things for me that i responded to is uh just the sense of sadness and horror we're going to talk a lot i'm sure about the tone and the pacing and the way this story was told but the overall effect that there's kind of a, a sadness and a horror and for me a really a toll of war that we're starting with literally mandalore the beautiful mandalore city in ruins in dawn and that idea of the toll of war just kind of echoes throughout this whole episode in mood uh, I, I was also really affected I, I think just by that imagery right at the top of this is the result of battle at dawn and there's so much that is just dark about this episode. Like you said, Ken, we've known the horror of what's going to happen here uh, for 15 years since 2005. And some of the uh, power of this story is seen in this moment of horrible darkness. What what little bit of light uh, can peek through? I think those are the the big picture things that affected me of the the sadness of it all and the little bit of light poking through. Uh, I love that you brought that up because some of the things I reacted to uh, a lot in this episode, a lot of it based on the knowledge we have of what's coming with a lot of these characters. But I was moved by some of the final moments, some of the Bo-Katan stuff that was smaller. A lot of her just looking out and like you said, the, the, the shattering of Mandalore. And all. It, it, it was weird how it, it affected me because uh, we're about to, you know, if if the story is, is going out in front of her and, and you don't know, she doesn't know that she she's going to become who 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 she needs to be and it's kind of exciting so there's some hope beneath it so i'm glad you pointed out the light that's uh, peeking through 
Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about some light peaks, but uh, what we want to do in this first half of the Clone Wars Report, as we always do, is talk big picture themes. Uh, when I was watching this episode, so much of it is just about mood and tone, but I was really being uh, aware of what seemed to be going through the characters' minds. What did they actually talk to uh, uh, with one another, talk about with one another in an episode that is a, a little more um, visual than uh, really dialogue-based. And I felt like the main big theme that kept coming up is how you define yourself. There was so much conversation about the labels that we give ourselves, uh, the labels that we're given outside uh, from people outside ourselves and how they shape what we actually do and what we actually believe. Did that come through to you? How did you feel about that? Yeah, it, it, it's something that is echoed in a lot of other Star Wars storytelling and, and, and I think in a lot of myth-based storytelling. That's some of the big lessons there. And I think what, for me, it's interesting uh, to see it come up again with new characters discovering it. Again, talking about Bo-Katan, but, he, you know, Rex, Ahsoka, a lot of it. It's like I, I really love we might know this lesson, right? We, we, you know, if you watch Rise of Skywalker, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the great uh, Kajimi joke uh, sequence with Poe, like uh, who you were is not the uh, who you are. And to see new characters or to see these characters learn it, uh, it I take uh, great joy in just that lesson continuing to have an effect. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like that there's these uh, sort of twin themes around this idea in Star Wars. We just did uh, relatively recently a big main show episode about the power of your name, you know, talking about Han becoming a Solo and Rey becoming a Skywalker and Anakin uh, becoming uh, Vader and all those kind of things. But then, as you're pointing out, Star Wars also has this this theme of labels, right? You you can really go into Star Wars and go into factions. Like, that person is a Jedi, that person is an Imperial, that person is a bounty hunter, oh, a smuggler, oh, scavenger. That's a, you know, star, the actual internal world of the galaxy seems really big on labels of, like, putting you in a very specific box. And I felt like this episode was really diving into what are those boxes? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's uh, dive into how the episode did that. Uh, I think it started right away with the great Bo-Katan stuff that you're talking about, where the Mandalorians throughout the Clone Wars story with uh, Satine, wanting them to not just define themselves as warriors, but think that they have other strengths that are, that are not about combat. And that is very much on display. But these specific labels uh, get thrown out, uh, calling uh, Satine uh, uh, basically an idealist. Uh, talks about uh, Bo-Katan talks about her idealism. And it right away starts this with, with this question of how, what kind of leader can Bo-Katan be? How can she define a new vision for Mandalore? And, you know, what would, what would the noun of that be? What, what were your thoughts on that? I I look at it as the the not just like oh Bo don't worry you're gonna get there you're gonna become a leader it's it's what Mandalore needs as a leader going forward uh, the idea to call Satine idealist she is a political idealist as Kiani Mundi would say but uh, that's what it wasn't that Satine was before her time I, I'm not saying this is a case of uh, Mandalore just needed a moderate I just mean uh, Bo Katan could probably I think will eventually, if we if we take this story, just keep running with it, 
even past the events of Return of the Jedi, I think Bo-Katan will line up with Satine. It's just the path to get there and how and how you get there. Maybe Satine was ahead of her time uh, a, a little bit uh, and Mandalore needed to feel the destruction. And then the foot of the Empire comes on them and then they have to rediscover themselves as a, as a people, as, as, a, as a creed, as a culture, and things we're still learning in, in the Mando show. So I, I, I was really focused on, on that and how uh, you know, this, this box that Bo-Katan has put herself in uh, is it's an actually an okay box to be in because it's going to help her, but also her people grow along with her, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And I like that you're really pinpointing that, uh, you know, leader is this idea of, of that's how Bo-Katan is, needs to start seeing herself and what is that going to be. And I think I'm glad that you are seeing all the hopeful aspects of it. You know, we know that her story continues in Rebels and we know that we do see her uh, kind of take that mantle of leader. But uh, I think I just keep focusing on the tragedy that like Mandalore would be on this cusp of Bo-Katan and the rest of the Mandalorian people going, okay, how are we going to define ourselves going forward? And to know that that is about to be taken from them and they're going to be pushed into all these circumstances where they have to uh, basically, you know, react to the horrors of the Empire. And that decision of just who do we want to be for ourselves is immediately going to be taken from them uh, just always hits me in the gut uh, every time I've watched this episode. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so we'll talk more about the Mandalorians, of course, but I want to move on to some of the big ideas of defining yourself in labels. Uh, Ahsoka has her amazing uh, Skype Zoom meeting with uh, the Jedi, and mm. uh, there's a lot of labels being thrown around. Mm-hmm. Anakin, or not Anakin, excuse me, Ahsoka uh, chooses to say that her actions of capturing Maul and helping Mandalore uh, were something that she did not as a Jedi, but as a citizen. And that was a, that was a relatively new one for the uh, whole story of labels in Star Wars. How did you react to Ahsoka really laying that down of like, I, I didn't, I'm not ready to be a Jedi again. I did this as a citizen. So I like how you just phrased it because there's different ways to look at this, obviously. And there's a second, jumping ahead a little bit to what Mace says. I kind of was like, yeah, good one, Mace, uh, even though it's an, uh, indicative of some of Mace's problems. But I took it as what you just kind of stated. It's Ahsoka wants, it's not that she's just like, I'm with the citizens, Jedi. She's not sure what Jedi is, right? She's still been on this path. She's still learning. And she, and, and uh, I, I think... To, to say, hey, I'm, I'm not ready to proclaim myself a Jedi because I don't know what that means to me. I don't know what that means to you. I don't want to say that and have you then assume I'm either completely aligned with you. There's still we, we have to have some conversations about the lower levels. I, I really take it as uh, from a humble point of view with Ahsoka. It's like, no, I did this because that's what a good citizen would need to do. I'm with the citizens and I'll see how I can get back to what you would expect of me with that title. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think one of the things that is operating for me in this theme of how you define yourself is there are moments in this episode where uh, characters like Ahsoka are kind of making a statement of I am choosing to be citizen, not Jedi right now. But then there are all these moments where somebody else is kind of forcing a label onto you. And I feel like that's a little bit what's at stake where Ahsoka is saying, I think I know how the council defines Jedi. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to be that because all of these other things are going to be expected of me. But I have this definition of Jedi that is 
you help people. Mm. And when I was really spinning out in this idea, there's a lot of discussion in larger Star Wars canon about who gets power and why, and do you have to be uh, born into power? Is Star Wars a story of, uh, particularly the Skywalker saga, is it a story of just a couple of powerful families with amazing bloodlines ruling everything, or is it a more democratic story about everybody coming together to make a difference? And, and I felt like Citizen was Ahsoka really standing up for this idea that, yeah, Jedi are born with power, mm. but that's not different than somebody who happens to be in the right place at the right time and has a blaster or a ship or some extra food to give that a Jedi shouldn't be different than other people mm. except for the responsibility of having more power. Uh, but besides that, we don't need to be different in a way, it was just like, maybe we've built up the the idea and the ritual of what a Jedi is too much. Maybe a Jedi should just be a person who does the right thing, just like everybody should strive to do the right thing. Mm, yeah, well said, well said. And and clearly, whether she 100% realizes or not, that's obviously what the galaxy is going to need. Uh, just like uh, we have to learn to grow past uh, Obi-Wan when he dies or the galaxy grows past Luke. Uh, I think there's some power in, hey, you know, don't you can't always look to that uh, lighthouse on the shore. That is the Jedi. It, the, the power's got to be with us, too, to, to, to do good, to make that choice. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I would be interested... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just whether it's completely active in her mind. Yeah, it's all kind of this, uh, it's roaming around. And I, and I think it was a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think in her mind, it must still be uh, affected by what she just went through with Rafa and Trace, right? And Rafa and Trace are just citizens. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I felt that connection. Uh, I really liked Yoda calling her a, a Padawan because she had rejected... Jedi, and she had offered citizen, and as you uh, you mentioned, uh, Mace, uh, sort of in his very <laughs> uh, not super friendly style, uh, threw it back at her that she was a citizen, so she was not going to be privy to the Jedi Council discussion. Uh, but then Yoda calling her a Padawan, uh, that just struck me as so kind of of Yoda saying, "Well, that's that's kind of where you left off, and that's in the training. I've offered you Jedi, but you don't." want that label but to me you're you're still a part of this how did you take it i i think i'm in line with your your thinking there uh, i it, it's tone right if you look that uh, um, if that's a text if yoda sends a text it might be <laughs> misconstrued <laughs> as an insult, uh similar to to mace's there but he says it with such warmth uh acknowledging that you know what you still are on a, a path of of you know, learning and, and self-examination and there's things going on with you that I'm going to respect and not going to assume that you're, um, you know, you're at the end of that journey yet. And I'm going to let you get there. Uh, and, and, and as well as just being, you know, maybe a little formal too, in, in, in a good way, like, all right, you, this is where you left last, le last left off, like you said, Joseph, and I'm willing to pick up there, you know, if things had gone forward somewhat normally, maybe Yoda would have been like, hope, you know, let's go back to that point. So, I took it as a, as a respectful, kind of sweet title. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. I, I think you nailed the moral of this episode of Clone Wars, which is if you have something very sensitive to say, leave a voicemail. <laughs> Don't do a text. 
<laughs> so I think you're you think you're totally right. It's about delivery of all the different ways that we've heard Padawan spill out of somebody's mouth. It's a, a mm-hmm. lot of times it's, you know, rigidity or reminding someone of their place. This is one of the first times where uh, Padawan sounded like sweetheart, like in mm-hmm. not even a creepy way, but in a, like a really loving way, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, totally. Maybe I'm drunk on on Yoda uh, kindness, but it was one of the things Yoda's vibe really, really uh, hit me in in a really great way. One of those bits of light peeking through. Uh, we moving on in this idea of how to define yourself. We get some discussion between Rex and Ahsoka about who they are, and this is very explicit of. Ahsoka discussing that the Jedi were taught to be peacekeepers, but ever since she was a Padawan, she's been a soldier. What it we we've heard these uh, those words thrown around in Star Wars before. Uh, this uh, combines with uh, Rex talking about clones are you know nothing but soldiers, or were rather created to be soldiers. What did you get from this discussion of the meaning of a of a soldier? Uh, that the, the, this idea, the focus being on bread for uh, the war side of it there, but and, and that's going to be especially on the clone side, and not, and we're not even getting yet into the, the nitty gritty of of Rex's statements of of them existing because of the war. But uh, even then, we're talking about being in these boxes. Obviously, death and destruction might be attached to it, especially from their point of view with what's been going on, what they just left on Mandalore, but. There's also maybe a spirit of, of of what Ahsoka's just went through of of the power to defend or the power to help or, you know, the power to to hand your ration bar to um, a young child on the quote unquote other side. All these kind. There's a lot. There's a lot of potential to still be uh, a source of 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 warmth and help, even with that title, even with that name. And uh, but it's un, it's understandable that especially if that's all you knew. And Ahsoka's like, man, you know, she's still learning. I, I was. Raised in the time of war as a Jedi, uh, not not her entire life, but from the point it really her story jumps up and we meet her. But the, she goes, you know, this is all she's known. But as she learns, uh, there's more to that. Same with Rex, and we'll get into a little bit more about the, the, their relationship to the war, which is fascinating. We're waiting for them to hear. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling on that there. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there you, you keep talking about these boxes and I love it because it's like, that's a box they are both in and they're like, how do I stay in that box? But also make it a different box. Yeah. Yeah. And and we will get into all the, the specifics of uh, Rex talking about how the clones wouldn't exist. But I think what I was affected by is they are, there's a, it's like they're both wrestling with it together of Ahsoka from the perspective of, I was told my entire life to be X. And then as soon as I interacted with the world, I was told, oops, actually, you're Y now. So it's like just a direct change for her. Um, and for Rex, it's what he was created for. So I think it's both them wrestling with, well, we, we, can't, we can't deny the good things that have come of this or, or we're not saying being a soldier is all bad. But I think in this context of you start this episode with the, you know, the the burning city at dawn with Bo-Katan wrestling with, uh, is peace even a possibility ever? What kind of leader should I be? And it's hard for me not to see Ahsoka and Rex's reflections on being a soldier as wondering how much of our decisions have been, have been took, 
taken away by being a soldier. And, I, and I'm just talking about in the context of Star Wars storytelling, that mm -hmm. the idea of being a soldier is you're given orders and you go do them. But what has bonded Ahsoka and Rex is, you know, being individuals and, and as they say in just a moment, being friends. So this, right. it seems to me like there's this tension with it, a soldier might be a word to wrestle with because it is of war, but also because it might limit your individual agency. Mm, yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. Well said. And, and, and how you, yeah. How you interpret your job or do you, do you take away your own choices because of this box? Yeah. How did you feel about that conversation resolving with basically like, well, we can agree on the label friends. <laughs> oh, great and powerful. I, I think that's based a lot on not just what came before. Again, we get we get seven seasons before building into these moments. It's part of the reasons uh, these last four episodes are just feeling so weighted and powerful. Um, but then we are we we get the knowledge of what comes after their great reunion, some of the stuff going on there. So um, yeah, I, I I I well earned. And hey, look, you can you know I, they didn't set out to be friends. This is a, a clone, a number. And she's a Jedi and we're, we're fighting underneath you and to form the, the trust and the experiences, all that come out of that. It's a, it's a well-earned title. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll spend some more time on that beauty, the beauty of friendship. Uh, but I wanted to go on with uh, some more ideas of how you define yourself. Uh, obviously there's some great mall content in this episode, uh, but I felt like in that really that one scene, with uh, Ahsoka when she releases him, uh, he cycles through many different ways that he could be defined. Uh, it, just in the box, he's just kind of, he's a renegade Sith, right? He is a scary threat that has been potentially neutralized. Uh, but then he comes out of the box and uh, he thinks he has himself a new partner in Ahsoka or a new apprentice. So maybe he's back to being a master. And then she straight up Kind of, Ahsoka gives him the label of, uh, I let you out to be a diversion. That's what you are, a diversion. How did that hit you to cycle through, you know, Maul goes on this emotional roller coaster of who he gets to be? Uh, well, first of all, I love that we're talking about uh, uh, boxes, and here he is literally in a box, right? He's literally <laughs> in the fifth box, we'll call it there. Uh, I, I love it. I, 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 it's but it's it's, inter it's interesting. I, I think Ahsoka does right here, and there's some great lines we're going to talk about later. But uh, you know, so part of the lesson is, hey, what you came before isn't isn't what you might be now. And here's Maul, kind of like, hello, I'm here. And no, 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 you, you are who you are. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it's kind of a fun thing, and it's and it's a little bit. It's almost funny to me. It's almost funny because we, you know, Maul pushing that rock up the hill and it's going to fall. It's like he's got another he's got another angle here. Like, all right, well, what's going on? All right, give you give me give me a lightsaber. Oh no, okay, <laughs> I got it. You still have me in a box. Yeah, no, you're right. There is a ton of comedy to it. Uh, that it, it, dark comedy and in great moments, uh, played beautifully. Again, uh, caused me to have even more uh, empathy for Maul, a, a horrible murderer that I had empathy for. But I yeah. really liked this diversion thing. Uh, what everything that it said for uh, Ahsoka's command Ahsoka's understanding of the situation but in terms of a label to give Maul it it made me feel sad for him again because I when when I was looking through this list of what what are labels that Maul could have you know a Sith a, a criminal mastermind you know a master of the dark side 
diversion is kind of how Sidious used him, right? I mean, the choice to reveal him in The Phantom Menace is sort of a diversion. It's just to make, obviously Sidious wants Maul to complete specific tasks, but the point of revealing him is to just make the Jedi nervous and looking over their shoulder and uh, spread confusion and fear. And there's not an intention for Maul to ever be the apprentice, right? And so in some ways, he's just always been the diversion. (laughs) Well, part of it, you know, yeah, we talk about this, this, these boxes and these trust and lessons. Uh, so Maul, to grow past the diversion, again, com- almost comedy. It, and uh, we have a lot, of, we have some sympathy for Maul. We, we know he was kind of born and at least raised in this kind of mindset, but he doesn't understand how to get outside that box, right? He doesn't understand how he could get those labels changed from Ahsoka, from yeah, maybe not Sidious, but from the Republic, for, from Ezra, from Obi-Wan. He doesn't learn that. That's the lesson. He doesn't change. So he comes out like, hey, you, you consider me a threat? What about a partner? Yeah, your track record's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, this whole arc has not been good for his self-esteem, right? Of like, right. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't rate for Kenobi to come for me uh, okay oh you're not even scared of me oh you, you're using me like a tool okay no lightsaber okay yeah it's <laughs> it's the uh, you ever have that friend online that just keeps tweeting why they can't get jobs or this and that and you're like the common denominator is you <laughs> mall look in the mirror <laughs> yeah. who, who is with you in every one of these scenarios is it mall it's Maul. Uh, the last point that I had in this uh, idea of how to define yourself is this constant, very specific mask imagery. We get it from uh, the clones. We get it from the Mandalorians. We get it from the image of the Mandalorian on uh, Maul's uh, Mando case prison. Uh, I think there's a little bit of an element of mask the way that we keep seeing Maul's eyes and his uh, his breath fogging up that glass. Uh, And for me, it just it really dealt with issues that uh, the Clone Wars have dealt with a lot. We've talked about a lot in this arc of the rigidity versus the more organic and the flowing and how much Rex humanizes himself when he takes off the helmet. But also the helmets can be used as a a symbol of individuality or, or unity by by, you know, painting Ahsoka's face on them. What did you how did all of the mask imagery make you feel? Yeah, you know, like, I, I love how you talk about it with Rex and how he doesn't have his mask on for Order 66, and I'm trying to run through any other examples we've seen of Order 66, and that's the first one I can remember. Eh, maybe in the Canaan comic there might have been stuff because they were around a campfire, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. So then he, it's not just that Ahsoka is staring at a masked warrior, he doesn't have that protection, and maybe it's part of that one final straw of, of, of humanity or clone manity that he has to <laughs> tap into without that mask. Uh, masks are very big in star Wars. Obviously we know that uh, the, the imagery of masks and force awakens is some of the most powerful uses of it in star Wars. So I, I'm loving that it's coming back up here. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to have to research order 66 kills. no that's a really good point about uh i hadn't been thinking about it specifically about the fact that order 66 comes through to rex with the mask off he there's a beautiful shot of him dropping the helmet 
in a way it makes it feel like even more of a violation that mm-hmm. that that is Rex in the most organic uh, flowing individual mode. And even then he is having his agency taken away from him by order 66. Uh, that's a great point. I had not thought about that. Um, I think I was just really affected by again, that sort of the horror of war and everybody, there's so many shots of the Mandos and the clones in, you know, these unified lines, you know, and it has this, this, uh, it gave me this feeling of you, you put on the helmet, you get in those lines in Star Wars, it always marches you towards something that you wouldn't choose if you hadn't formed up in that rigid line with those helmets on. And again, I'm talking about, you know, Star Wars storytelling and imagery. Yeah. 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 Great point. If Kylo doesn't take that mask off, uh, interrogating Ray, she still might be able to get in his mind and everything. I'm not, I'm not playing a big what if game, but just like, that's the first crack. Right. And maybe he doesn't, uh, maybe he has a little more self-confidence. I'm glad he takes the mask off. Uh, you know, Rex doesn't take it off. Maybe, maybe Ahsoka doesn't see his tears. And yeah. Realize- Comes a foot and she kills him. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just that, that feeling of like, um, this lined up so well to me with the end of attack of the clones where, you know, everything from the music down to, uh, our beloved little, uh, fist pound that Bale does <laughs> of the balcony is reminding you that like this huge army is not going in the direction that the galaxy wants. It's going away from, peace and individuality and it's going toward war you know yeah yeah good good fist bump reference (laughs) thank you thank you we we try to get him in as often as often as possible uh the other big picture theme that i wanted to talk about is the terror of trust um there's so much uh dread built into this episode but when I i i was really breaking it down i felt like it all came down to uh, who do you trust when and how and, and why in the tension of whether or not people could be trusted? Did that pop out to you? Oh, uh, absolutely. All the way through, uh, just uh, like you said, who you trust, when you trust. And sometimes, yeah, you, you know, Ahsoka's got to trust Maul for at least a second. And and just and trust, trust is the hardest thing to, to earn. It's hard to keep but once it's there it's strong yeah no it's it's a big star wars thing and i always go back to that dooku scene that is a that is star wars saying hey who do you trust the order that's raised you or this guy who left that order and is the only one right now telling you the truth Uh, it's like trust is trust is an interesting thing and i love it love when it's uh in balance in star wars yeah yeah because there are moments of victory in this episode because of trust and there are moments that are really highlight that the Sith uh, thrive on uh, confusing people about whether or not they should trust themselves, trust others, etc. Uh, we'll just uh, whip through a couple of the examples of where this popped up because we'll be talking about them in detail. I feel like you, you really get that mood started right away that Mandalorians still have this archaic Jedi trap right after Bo-Katan has been uh, saying like, oh, well, yeah, no, maybe there'll be something in, in different in the future. But for now, <laughs> here's a medieval torture device for force wielders, maniacs like you. Uh, and there's a great tension there. Um, uh, we'll talk about this in detail, but Ahsoka doesn't seem to trust the council with the knowledge about Anakin 
which is, I think, a huge beat in this episode in terms of uh, twisting the knife on the tragedy. Uh, did, did that one affect you? Uh, the the Ahsoka not telling the council? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's perhaps the biggest one. I, I, you love the Mandalorian one. Like, weren't these outlawed? Yeah, we had one in storage. It's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, because look, it's... it's um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, the, the force center theme we're gonna talk about that later but just that mace ahsoka interaction had some had some humor for me i'm saying for me it made me laugh because i was like yeah mace. um but you know she yeah she's not gonna trust them because well you you don't trust me you need some kind of title to trust me so i'm not gonna give you the information but then it's like oh ahsoka but i you know i, I it's it's a power it's just it's a powerful moment because what would they have done with that knowledge yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Should Ahsoka have trusted them or not is a is a big question uh, hanging over that moment. Um, it, this relates to trust of uh, the horror of it being broken. But I was really affected by the fact that uh, Ahsoka is not only betrayed by the clones. We've seen many instances of Order sixty six of uh, you know in the Canaan comic. The we got to play it ourselves in the Fallen Order, of course, in Revenge yeah. of the Sith. But this is, I think, the only time that we see uh, a Jedi or former Jedi being betrayed by clones who are wearing her face. <laughs> Ouch, babe. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how do you think that affects Ahsoka? To not only be dealing with like, oh, oh the, Rex, my friend, uh, something's happening with Anakin and, and I'm being shot at. And do you think she even has time to process the fact that it is basically images of herself in images of this former trust in her that are trying to kill her. I, I think she is just such a good job in reacting. She takes a couple of them out, but I think that's going to sting later. That's going to hurt later. You want to talk about trust. You want to talk about carrying baggage from previous relationships going forward. <laughs> hey, I painted this for you. Please don't, please don't, <laughs> please don't. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that's uh, she's, it's going to stay with her for a while. I mean, what a, what a just twist of the knife. Yeah. And it's not like it's vanity, right? She didn't come in and go like, all right, I want to really be able to recognize my clones. Could you, uh, could you paint images of me on your face? It's so introduced to us as a symbol of we, the clones know that you will fight with us and for us. And we, we trust you. So, uh, extra super big old vibro blade knife twist there for me. Well, it's one of those things too. When you look back, you're like, remember when that when that broke? We even, I think we even saw that clip at celebration or where, whatever we saw. It was all just like, oh, you guys, you guys, like, like we all should have been like, oh no, <laughs> uh, you're gonna you're gonna wipe that off before Order sixty six, right, guys? Right? No? Yeah. Okay. Oh, jeez. No. It's weird what our heart does to our, ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yes. We can turn off the tragedy and and enjoy the beauty. Um, of course, uh, there's the just Rex not being able to trust himself. I think that's one of the most uh, horrific, uh, things as well of, of order 66. When you look at it from the lens of trust in this, I feel like Ahsoka and Rex's conversation is kind of figuring out how they feel about soldiers, how they feel about each other. And then to have all of that just sort of ripped away immediately Mm -hmm. is, you know, so Rex can't trust himself is painful. Right. Um, I was really struck by the fact that Ahsoka super trusts the droids and that little uh, beautiful scene, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. R7's been with her and it says a lot about droids. Uh, you know, uh, droids are, 
this is a weird comparison, maybe to some. Droids are like the dogs of the galaxy, man. You know, <laughs> you're going to put that dog on your lap and be like, let, we, we, let's take this on ourselves. Um, I really liked, I really did like it. And then uh, Cheap, was it Cheap, which is uh, Filoni doing a Chopper's cousin in my mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that uh, Astromex are a Jedi's best friend. I think that's really yeah. beautiful. Um, of course, we got uh, Ahsoka trusting Rex when he shouts uh, out fives. Uh, I, I like that. Not only does Ahsoka need to think fast, think on her feet, it speaks to, I see that he's struggling. I, I, I trust that he is still himself under there, and I can trust that yeah. this fives thing is something to, you know, to look into and to act on. Um, I think the, the whole, uh, this whole arc, this whole Clone Wars movie is really affected by Ahsoka's trust in, in Anakin, that her de- desire to believe in him. Uh, and then the final thing that I thought of in this uh, theme of trust is how much of the tragedy that is going on in this episode is set up by the fact that everybody is trusting this moment of victory. Mm. Like the Mandalorians won. Uh, the former Death Watch, Bo-Katan got uh, Sundari back. Uh, Soka captured Maul. There are a lot of little great moments to remind you that, hey, remember, Obi-Wan did actually defeat General Grievous, and if uh, things hadn't gone sideways, he, that would have been a victory. Uh, did you feel that, of this idea of uh, uh, defeat, uh, or victory snatched uh, away, uh, in this defeat yeah. coming in where it should have been victory? And uh, Snatching out of the jaws of victory. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I, I think it works really effective. Uh, it's a fun moment to break down, but the, the Ahsoka kind of saying, ah, you go on. It's probably more good news. Uh, whether or not she totally, because she's sensing something going on right there. So whether she totally is like, oh, yeah, thumbs up. But that just kind of uh, encapsulates everything that you're talking about here. Yeah. It, yeah. Mission accomplished. Uh, we got it. And the story continues. The story goes on. Uh, Aragorn has to wake up the next day and deal with his tax policies. You, you got to do this. And, and uh, I like how you phrase it. If you, you, they trusted this victory and maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have. Understandably, understandably. But it super heightens the tragedy for me. Any other thoughts on this general theme of trust before we move on? No, it's pretty, it's, uh, pretty apparent and pretty powerful. Trust yeah. Trust. Trust droids. <laughs> Trust droids. Uh, uh, don't send sensitive information in texts and send and always trust droids. Those are the twin morals. There isn't a moral in this episode uh, because it looks like it's the third part of a movie. Um, what would you <laughs> give to the, this episode as a moral? Uh, I, I, I was... Uh... I was thinking of a few of them here. Uh, I, I can never do it as wonderfully uh, flowery as they do on Clone Wars. But I'll say the path forward does not have to keep to the steps you took to get there. Uh, and trust goes both ways unless your name is Maul. <laughs> Don't trust Maul. That uh, <laughs> would be a great moral. Uh, we have similar ones. Uh, the only one I came up with is to trust others, you first must trust yourself. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm making my Hallmark card. I'll send that out with a big picture of Maul on it <laughs> for the holidays. And I think people will really enjoy that. Uh, we always talk about the action in the first part of our podcast. Uh, there was more action in this, but there was also the tension of future action. Did you have a favorite action moment? 
Ooh, you know, there's a there's a lot of choices and none of them are nice. <laughs> them, <laughs> like, you know, I really like the Soka fighting the clones. Oh wait, killing the brothers she fought with. Oh, that's not good. Maul's awesome when he chops the clones' heads off. Who aren't? <laughs> oh no. So I'll, I'll have to go with some of that stuff there. But you know what? I'll go with uh, R seven getting into the action uh, with uh, Rex. A nice safe uh, bit of violence. Yes, the over-enthusiastic shock of yeah. Rex by R7. Yeah. Uh, we will, of course, talk about more about Maul's hallway of death. There's so much I love there. But in particular, just enjoying action for action's sake. I really liked uh, when he pulled apart the two sections of walls and just uh, slammed them between the troops. I love Star Wars action when it yep. feels like something a brutal Sith would do and also seems like something that might happen to Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> well, years later, they'd call that move the peanut butter and clone sandwich. So. <laughs> the peanut butter and clone sandwich. And on that shocking, tragic comment, uh, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back to discuss show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back to get our feelings even more shattered as we go into the details of the Clone Wars episode shattered so ken let's start right here at the top uh we have ahsoka and bo-katan surveying the damage of the battle uh bo-katan is impressed that ahsoka captured maul ahsoka says she learned from the best including bo-katan what did you think ahsoka meant by that i oh god you got a great question to start i i i loved i you know, hey, she's a warrior. She's a strong uh, leader. No, I think there's something in Bo-Katan's resolve and her ability to grow and change and become something different. And then that, in, that, in that path, become something more powerful. And the journey's not done. I think Ahsoka's looking at that stuff as much as the other stuff because Bo-Katan is the badass we all know she is. But you know what I mean? Like, that's where I think she's looking across. Like, yeah, you're right. You were Death Watch where you are now. I admire that. Yeah, I I think you're spot on. And I really enjoyed the uh, sort of narrative uh, emotional whiplash of that because it set you up to be, uh, I think as a viewer, you're like, you are impressed that Ahsoka captured Maul. He is hard to capture, as uh, yep. Kenobi said, or, you know, he's he's, he's not going to stay dead. So try to capture him. Um, and having Ahsoka say, I was trained by the best. You're like, yeah, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So then for her to shift it to Bo-Katan and it makes your mind go, well, how much interaction have they actually had? And then it makes you automatically go to, well, the primary interaction they've had is Bo-Katan searching Ahsoka out and saying, I've changed, I need your help. And it does really go to everything that you're just saying that this is about Ahsoka admiring Bo-Katan's ability to change and ability to ask for help. Totally, totally. I, I, yeah, you know what's funny? I, I kept keep look, I keep looking ahead to Rebels, which, by the way, what a great time to start a Rebels rewatch now, my friends. Uh, yeah, I'll keep going with that, but you're right. Even, even when we see her just a, just four episodes ago, Ahsoka's just like, oh, you. <laughs> I, and to see where they get now. I actually really loved, I really love Bo-Katan in this season and, and real uh, tip of the cap to, to Katie Sackhoff. I thought she brought a lot. She's obviously a great performer. Uh her, her Starbuck is, is still one of the best characters, I think, in, in modern uh, uh, sci-fi television programming. Uh, but she, she really, even in these episodes, just tone of her voice, the, the, the pain, the ache, the doubt, the fear, 
all there. Uh, real big hats off to uh, Katie. Yeah, fully agreed. Uh, I, I think that it is. She does a, an amazing performance. It makes total Star Wars cycles, generations, poetry sense that there would be a lot of uh, rebels uh, beginnings, the seeds of rebels in this end of Clone Wars. But it also does just read like a great commercial for rebels of, hey, yeah. uh, here's Ursa Wren. Here is Chopper's cousin. <laughs> You know, wouldn't you like to see what uh, the next time Ahsoka and Anakin talk? Wouldn't you like to see the next time Ahsoka and Rex talk? Like, yes. It's hard, uh, honestly, to stop myself from watching Rebels in order to go uh, record these podcasts with you. But uh, I'm happy I, I, yeah. to be doing it. Sorry, I ran out of time. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, uh, usually, you know, we like to marinate on these episodes. I have watched this one three times. I watched a half hour Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and I was like, Dope. I wanted to watch, uh, I ran out. I should have woken up uh, an hour earlier. <laughs> My coffee earlier. I wanted to watch some Rebels, but anyways. Uh, and, and we should note, save your tweets. We're not saying Cheap is uh, Chopper's cousin. We're just, we're not saying that's canon yet. No, no, that's, that's just our head canon that they are, they are uh, united. They are one family of sea yeah. droids. Uh, anyway, uh, two other things that I wanted to say about this. I, I think that another great element to this Bo-Katan Ahsoka relationship is where they encountered one another in Clone Wars previously. If you go back and rewatch that episode, there's awful stuff going on with uh, Death Watch. They are imprisoning villagers. They, Bo-Katan, mm -hmm. when Ahsoka encounters her, is involved in not just, uh, again, uh, Kiati Mundi's political idealism. She's involved mm -hmm. in some horrible stuff. Yeah. So for Ahsoka to get to see her come this far adds extra power to it. And the other thing I wanted to note about this scene, there's no time spent on it. It just happens. Uh, Ahsoka steps off uh, the Republic gunship and Bo-Katan hands her her lightsabers that she dropped. Yes. <laughs> Which I love from a perspective of there's so many little things in here to remind you of moments uh, from Revenge of the Sith. And that uh, little bit of that uh, Cody Kenobi Star Wars poetry is great. But also just I feel like at this point that's got to be marching orders if you are clones if you're mandalorians if you're anyone fighting with a jedi that you have to have like three to four different troops just assigned to lightsaber retrieval it's like a flag bearer or something in the civil war you know <laughs> if this man should fall who should pick up the flag if this lightsaber <laughs> should fall who should pick it up yeah I'm, yeah I'm who's, who's down in the sewers with a flashlight this time <laughs> Uh, moving on, Bo-Katan wishes she was good at something other than war. That's her actual line. She uh, never understood uh, Satine's idealism. How does it change or enhance the episode to have this memory of Satine invoked and is then in our minds over the course of the rest of the episode? Uh, I, I, it's, it's a real good use, and sh her legacy should hang over it, and uh, when I said earlier, you know, she she was she was before her time, but at the same time, I, I, you don't you, know, you don't worry. Satine's not worried about that. Ah, my peaceful ways aren't working because it's just a few uh, years ahead ahead of its time. Like you're in it, your moment. You got to go with what you think right there and, and see where it takes you. And uh, I think there's a lot of heartbreak in Bo-Katan's voice. This is again why, why I'm specifically shouting out Katie Sackhoff for this episode. Just a lot of heartbreak, a lot of you know. I never ever understood it. But you know what? That doesn't mean she doesn't get it and that she's not learning it even in this moment, you know? 
as she looks around her destroyed city. Uh, you talk about you invoke the the image of her capturing her own people years ago, and and now here she is watching them kind of, uh, you know, in pain and watch the world burn. Like, I, I think Satine's still teaching Bo-Katan and still perhaps teaching a lot of people in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, it really got to this heart of what Star Wars often wrestles with, of Star Wars is not pro-war, but it has moments that celebrates where when action must be taken. And yeah. I think Bo-Katan is looking around this destroyed city and feeling sad and thinking like, well, but we needed, we needed to free Mandalore from... Uh, Maul and from Almec, uh, but how did we get here? And I think from Satine's perspective, you know, the Death Watch partially started as a push against her, and it was the existence of the Death Watch that allowed Maul to target uh, and manipulate Mandalore in a little bit of that story of, well, if what you present to the galaxy is, you know, a clenched fist and a weapon, then you're gonna have battle. Uh, and I I think there's an interesting uh, that I think of all those things when Bo-Katan says I never understood it because for me Bo-Katan's perspective is uh, war's going to happen battles are going to come and you got to be ready to fight how can you how can you not be ready to fight even though she sees the horror of what the fighting has wrought mm. yeah um, yeah this is why Bo-Katan is the right leader going forward because we we know probably not shortly. Not too long. Not too long after this is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, the foot of the empire is heading this way, and we're even learning more about that detail. Uh, those details in uh, Mandalorian, obviously. So, Bo-Katan, it isn't just like, oh, Satine was peaceful. Bo-Katan, she's a fighter. Um, put them together, and that's the leader you need. I think it, it's not as simple as that. I think Bo-Katan will be the leader going forward because she is not afraid to rise up when you need to now because she also learning exactly what you said. Yeah, what what a painful feeling to be like, man, if I had gotten her message back then and maybe been more on board with it and maybe we could have compromised over some of the things, you know, uh, this wouldn't have opened the door for all. Like, what have I done? But I can't change that. I can only go forward and be something different. And so it's it's really uh, the the lessons that Bo-Katan's going through and what's going through her head right now are really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, and I and I agree again with your your description of Katie Sackhoff's great acting that she is putting all of this emotional weight uh, behind it that invites you to think more about what she's been through and what she's thinking and feeling. Last thing I'll say about Satine is I think because her story is so central to the overall arc of the Clone Wars animated series and that she is one of the main characters who really pushes back on Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Jedi to be, hey, look, uh, the Mandalorians have a whole history of violence and I'm trying to change that. You claim to be peacekeepers, but you're out here propagating violence to have that philosophy set up at the beginning of this episode means it is just echoing through everything for me. Mm. Uh, Satine's a powerful character and uh, Joseph a good uh, time to transition to a commercial uh, this Saturday on YouTube uh, the in memoriam for Duchess Satine will be unveiled <laughs> oh wow I, man I didn't even know I was setting up a commercial I'm very very happy go everyone watch that have, have a full and happy Saturday by morning Duchess Satine uh, we're going to move on uh, next we have this fateful call with the council uh, we have Rex telling uh, Ahsoka that Anakin was in the meeting when he left to come talk to Ahsoka. Uh, and of course, by the time 
Ahsoka gets there, Anakin has left. We hear actual dialogue directly from Revenge of the Sith, and then the conversation shifts to Ahsoka being present. I just want to talk about this actual intersection of the animated show with actual scenes from Revenge of the Sith. You and I, can in the past have both struggled sometimes with what we've described as a Forrest Gump moments where you're in a monumental big history moment and then you realize, oh, somebody else was there just off screen, maybe even changing these events. How did this moment feel to you? Did you struggle with it at all or did you just enjoy it? I did not struggle with it all. And I'm glad you bring that up. I thought a lot about this when I tried to go to sleep last night. <laughs> uh, and that's why I had, I watched Revenge of the Sith uh, from, uh, I think, almost Kenobi's Hello There to General Grievous all the way to the end of Order 66 before I, uh, my toast was done and I ran out of time. Uh, it is, it's super effective. It's chilling. This whole, like I said up top, this whole episode not joking. You 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 want to know if Joseph and I are tired of Star Wars after talking about it uh, daily, weekly for five years? No. This episode started last night, and I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach of oh no, around every corner is disaster that we cannot stop. Uh, this this works so well for me, man. Especially when you watch the movie and you're like she she uh, she missed Anakin by seconds, right? <laughs> like, like it's it's close. It's so close, and it comes this tragedy. Uh, I loved it. It was effective. I was seeing a lot about the book from a certain point of view, uh, which you and I generally love, but there's some of those stories that maybe the story themselves, I keep thinking about that, the Tuscan Raider one that's early on uh, and it's like a Tuscan Raider sneaking into the Jawa Sandcrawler and it's not a bad story at all. I just like, I'm like, I don't, uh, just, I don't see it. I just didn't, I don't connect to it in that way. But uh, Qui-Gon appearing to Obi-Wan while Luke goes off to see the uh, remains of Owen and Brew, like that really works for me. Um, this one was that. This just really worked. Yeah. I, and I wrestled with why. And I think for me, it is because it Ahsoka is such a major character and the intent. And now I think the delivery of Clone Wars has been this is just as big a deal as the movies in terms of the creators of like this is a part of the tapestry of star wars so i think the fact that ahsoka is a major character when i'm watching revenge of the sith in that uh scene ends with yoda saying something and i will now know in canon if we held that scene ahsoka would walk in that feels right to me because she's such a big part of star wars and i think that's really different than oh, that mouse droid ran by and that mouse droid was actually carrying poison that it stabbed this Jedi with and kind of getting into all those like little things. And, you know, uh, this is a total opinion thing. I know there's been a lot of that in canon going back to, you know, expanded universe with the, you know, Tales from the Cantina, Tales from Jabba's Palace, where you learn every motivation of every character. And I don't mind those, but I think there's something that feels powerful about... Um, about fate and destiny where around the corner there's this other major character versus every little character is got in agenda or perspective. Yeah. Well said it goes to uh, one of our, our big uh, talking points of force centers, the emotional canon, right? And, and this, this, this connects with all that. And that's why I think it works. If, if that door opens 
and uh, I don't know, someone else walks in, you know, uh, and it doesn't connect emotionally to the bigger story. It, it doesn't work. And it, and it is, it is um, sometimes little things, you know, I, I've grown to really like that Singer was on Endor and maybe had Leia in his scope. You know, I, I can accept that now more than I did in the book because I, I grew to love the character of Singer so much in, in the Aftermath series. This one, I think you just nailed it. Why it works, Joseph, if you just play it out in your head. Uh, the last moments of Baru and uh, excuse me of of uh, Breha Organa and Bail Organa in, in in the Eclipse story in in that collection of stories, I never can separate that from the movie now because it it just it's emotionally it belongs there and this this makes sense to me like you said. Yeah, I think the simple way to say it, uh, which you're really helping me with, is I like it when you have a revelation of something new that directly touches the movies if it heightens what is already there rather than distracts and picturing that those final moments of Bale and Brea only heightens the tragedy of Alderaan. Um, so that that's, that's why I like it. Cause I think that's what's happening here too. Enough said about that. We will move on to the content of this fateful zoom meeting of the Jedi. Uh, Soka says she did her duty as a citizen, not as a Jedi and not yet. It's not super defiant. She is saying, not yet. Uh, she also wants to know more about what they're talking about. What's the deal with the Chancellor? Uh, Mace gets a little spicy and says uh, that's not for a citizen. Uh, Yoda, I think, very kindly asks her if she has a message for Skywalker. And Ahsoka says, no, I'll tell him when I see him. There is so much there. What in that uh, call grabbed you? What affected you the most? All three beats, man. Uh, I, I keep I keep saying... I liked, I, lo- I, I love Mace's line just from some comedy and just got, I had a second of like, he, he's not wrong, but it's, it is that problem that, that Mace has. And it showed going back to Phantom Menace, you know, he, he's just not warm and kind. And maybe that's part of, I'm not putting the crumbling of the Jedi order on Mace's cloak by any stretch of the imagination. I, I really love the character and wouldn't do that to him. I just, it is, especially because of it's Ahsoka, you know, it's just simple. It, 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 you talked about clenched fists and weapons. If, if Mace is like, uh, all right, you know, we'll give you a little bit or let me hear what you got. I don't know. You know, if he's a little bit more warm and open, maybe Ahsoka doesn't shut down. Maybe they get the information. Maybe Mace goes into Palpatine's chambers with a little eye on Anakin. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what happens in the choices we make. Uh, do come back to get you if, if they're if they're the wrong choices sometimes, unfortunately for Mace. But that got me. Uh, we talked a lot about Yoda's moment, but just uh, acknowledging because he listens to the whole the whole sentence, man. He, you know, Ahsoka isn't like, nah, I'm a citizen. You know, she's got a yet. She she knows she's still on her journey, and that's why we talked about uh, 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 Yoda paying attention to that. So I, I I liked all the little beats. The Anakin thing we'll, we'll dive into here in a second. You know. Yeah, yeah, great thoughts, great thoughts. This is just a window that invites uh, hardcore Star Wars fans, uh, and I'm sure plenty of casual Star Wars fans, to dive into some of these questions of which Jedi is which and who made what mistakes. I love what you're saying about Mace. I think this falls in line with so much about Mace. Mace, to me, uh, he's a great character, but he is the character who I don't think is taking the time to look at it other ways uh, I think he lets there's this, it's like he lets this he's very, very, very strong. So maybe so strong that he can't see that 
his response to danger is just shut it down. He's it, there's this little bit of maybe Mace lets fear in because he just doesn't want risk. You know, I think mm. he is a, a Jedi who knows the threats of the dark side and he senses fear in Anakin. So that's a no. Absolutely not. You do not pass. We're not going to train you. Uh, get out of here. Um, he is uh, rigid about Ahsoka being a Jedi. He is uh, concerned about Anakin not being able to hold his own. He's always kind of demanding that people earn his trust. And I think it's a fascinating picture of a Jedi who can't take even the slightest bit of risk. He sees danger and he must shut it down right on to uh, the actual choice that he makes to Anakin moments from now of saying uh, Palpatine is too dangerous to be kept alive. Mace is not wrong about, hey, he controls the courts. He's evil. He must be stopped. But there's not even a tiny little bit of trying to see things from Anakin's perspective or work it out. It's just there's a danger in front of me and I got to end it. He does the same with Django. He sees mm-hmm. danger and he says no to it or he cuts its head off. Yeah, and 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 it's uh, it's an interesting case study. Uh, you're, he actually now that you're, you're just kind of describing a friend of mine <laughs> who is generally right about a lot of things. Handles has the strength to handle it, and you he is called upon a lot to handle it, um, but does not take the time to factor in other people's opinions, points of view, perspective, and often just mashes his way through the problem, creating more problems. Uh, and it's interesting that Mace represents that. I, I, we, we've always talked about wanting to do maybe an episode or a Star Wars ranked of, you know, all the times Mace was right and he was, but what do you do with that knowledge and how do you, uh, share it with the world and how do you work with the team? If, if again, watching Revenge of the Sith, I, it's always been one of my favorite little, I wouldn't say unintentional comedy moments, but it's just one of those things when Mace is just like, in Revenge of the Sith, after the Clone Wars, after everything we've seen, and he turns to Anakin and is like, if you're right, you will have earned my trust, finally. Whoa, no wonder. A- Anakin's like, probably in that moment, like, you know, I was really cold in that chamber back uh, t- 10 years ago, and this is how you treat me. And, and Mace doesn't uh, doesn't take help from anyone else. It's an interesting, it, it does connect to the Jedi Order as a whole, and a little bit. And I just, I'm trying to say it carefully because, I just, I just love the character of Mace so much, and I think sometimes the faults in these characters are there on purpose so for us to learn from these stories, and that's why I love them. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, uh, I, I hope I'm not the friend you were describing because I relate uh, to Mace to some of those uh, flaws sometimes of sometimes <laughs> even when you are right, that it doesn't mean that you get to just absolutely run ahead and do things exactly your way. You could still take the time to go, I'm cons- I'm convinced I'm right, and I'm convinced this is the next action, but what does everybody else think is powerful? I can assure you it's not you, but wouldn't that be a great uh, uh, podcasting? <laughs> like, oh, I have this friend. Yeah, in, in I got this. <laughs> He's this real a-hole. <laughs> like squirrels. What a weirdo. Um, that, to me, there's this great contrast between Mace and Yoda. This is one of my favorite moments of this episode because I just feel this huge amount of kindness coming off of Yoda. We talk about how the um, subtlety of how advanced the animation is allows the characters to be more expressive. 
I literally paused on this image of Yoda in the hologram looking up at Ahsoka. I uh, mm. took a picture of it because it was totally like to me like that Internet meme of, you know, get you a Jedi <laughs> who yeah. looks at you like Yoda is looking at Ahsoka. And, you know, we've heard, you know, more to say have you is a kind of aggressive thing to Qui-Gon and to hear him say it in this really sensitive way. I think it's very purposeful that all of the other Jedis wink out and it's just Yoda, totally unlike Mace, still being there, still being patient uh, and concerned for Ahsoka. And I think it ties really, really uh, well with previous Clone Wars animated series storytelling. When we leave Yoda after he has gone uh, through his experience to commune with Qui-Gon, Yoda is really aware that dark things are coming, that the order is in trouble. So it really makes sense to see a beat from Yoda where he is not as lockstep with the rest of the council. And he's really aware that I need to look around. I need to pay attention to everything. Maybe I need to take a deep breath and lead with kindness and asking questions because I know we're in a totally different situation. I know something's coming. Yeah. Whoa. Well said. Well said. Uh, yeah. I, I forget the I forget the factor in the the journey Yoda has been on right before a lot of this, which is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, and quick note before anyone tweets us, yeah, we are aware that uh, uh, Mace, Kiati Mundi, and Ayla Sakura uh, fade out in the opposite direct uh, opposite uh, order of in which they die. We, we know. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, uh, so Ayla goes first, Kiati, then Mace, and then it's the reverse when they die. Oh, just, just a little Filoni going knife twist. Okay, a little a little Star Wars reverse poetry, huh? <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, Ahsoka decides to save the message for Anakin when mm. she sees him again. How did that affect you? Uh, it, it's wonderfully tragic, man. Wonderfully tragic. I hope, I hope, I hope. I don't know. I, I can't say that. I, you know, I hope they have no interaction next week. That's where my heart's going because I want, as we talked about last, I want the next time they see each other to be Star Wars Rebels. I, I just, I just really want that one. Uh, it, it, it's, it's itching, but we got it. We always got to stay, stay open to what we got. Um, maybe they have a forced connection. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, the, the, um, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not, I don't know. It's not, it's not cut and dry for me. It's not just like, all right, Mace, well, I'm not going to tell you about Anakin. I, I just think she doesn't want to, maybe she doesn't want to commit to that idea in her own head. I still see this. You talked about her having so much trust in Anakin too. Uh, uh, I, I can just see even then she's just like, no, no, no. Obi-Wan did say I should go talk to him. I, I don't want to just suddenly blurt out. Uh, Anakin might be uh, going to the dark side or something weird. You know, I, I take it as a in, indicative of a, of, a, of a personal struggle still going on inside her. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely about the Jedi, whether or not she wants the Jedi council to know what she knows, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But I, I think, there is that your mind immediately goes to them meeting again in Rebels. And my mind also goes to, does Ahsoka know if she could get uh, face to hologram face with Anakin? Does she know exactly what she would say? Because it went from Obi-Wan telling her he's in a he's in a bad place and he feels betrayed by the Jedi uh, or put in a vulnerable position. I know you could say something to him that would make a difference. 
And then she hears all this uh, stuff about Anakin being the key and Anakin possibly being a destroyer and has such, you know, fierce denial of that's not who he is. And, and I just, you know, I, I find myself wondering, does Ahsoka know what she is going to tell him? Or at this point, does she just want to see what state he's in? Uh, I think, oh, yeah, all that works for me. All that works for me, especially this idea of um, uh, Obi-Wan. I know for some reason it's similar to, yeah, it's not similar, but it makes me think of uh, Leia saying to Han, like, yeah, yeah, Luke, Luke is a Jedi. You're, you're Kylo's, you're Ben's father. And that's why that works. There's a little bit of, of, of Kenobi saying, you know, he's not happy with the Jedi as well. Uh, he's been, been burnt. He needs you. He doesn't need uh Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano because that the Titan really doesn't exist. He doesn't need, he needs Ahsoka. He needs snips. He needs that person he's formed that connection with. And if that's in her brain, She's got to be like, well, that's kind of a mission I, 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 I'm accepting right here. And, and this isn't even for you, Yoda. I have to do this in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is just beautiful, bittersweet. You know, what if, like we talked about last week, and oh, it, yeah. I think it attaches to lots of great moments in Star Wars. That's a great moment to bring up. I, I go to Empire Strikes Back when Luke and Han are separating under, you know, duress uh, on Hoth and can't quite figure out what to say to one another. And there's a part of me is like, is that what the conversation would be? It would be more just, you know, not really nitty gritty conversation. But if Ahsoka had been able to get to, through to him, really just like, I'm here, master, you know, and I know you and I know, I know who you, you know, just struggling to find the words. Anyway, yeah. it'd be beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we can see that. What if comic book someday? Uh, but let's go on to uh, Rex uh, notes that Ahsoka did not tell the council the potentially very important information, suspicions that she just heard from Maul. What did you take from why she didn't do that? Uh, yeah, does she trust? I, I don't is it is it is it again is it could be this weird feeling of now she knows she, she doesn't need more she's not gonna she knows she's not gonna team up with maul it's not just that she doesn't trust maul i i think she she doesn't trust maul but i think she believes him if that makes sense yeah. uh you could do both and i i i think it's uh not just a plan form in her mind but she's just she She's playing her cards co close to the vest because she knows she has to, uh, and and is it, this is kind of her own little battle right now, uh, and and she knows help isn't on the way is something there too, uh, and also again you know not not for nothing but you know May saying oh, I had citizen like eh, all right there's a little bit of me saying early going we we're on our own here, yeah that this is not a two way street this is you shut me out whenever you want but I give you all the information which just goes to her own issues with the council. And then that Obi-Wan told her the council, you need to reach out to Anakin specifically because the council put him in a really unfair position. So right. I think this is, she's not starting this phone call uh, great with the council. So I think it really is about this tragic lack of trust, uh, really a uh, failing of the Jedi council from a certain point of view. And I wonder also how much of it is her bond with Anakin that this is she doesn't want to report on Anakin like he's you know some random bounty hunter this is like deep personal stuff it's you are meant to be the chosen one you were meant to destroy the Sith Obi-Wan is worried about you um 
but I'm being told that you could be the key to everything. You could destroy everyone. You could be the uh, secret phantom apprentice of this Darth Sidious. That just seems much more about those words are only for Anakin. I 100% agree. Like, really, yeah, 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 for a lot of reasons. But yeah, this is this is their connection. It's just, yeah. Uh, again, guys, I, I referred to it as like kind of like her mission, but just an honoring what came before and honoring knowing that she knows where Anakin is. The last conversation they had uh, when she left the Jedi Order, right? Like there's a little bit of Anakin kind of like kind of with you on this, but go on your journey. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honoring their relationship is the way to look at it for me. Yeah. And I love what you said uh, at the beginning of our conversation about this of exactly how much. Ahsoka believes or does not believe what Maul said because obviously she reacts by saying, you know, I know Anakin and that's not him. And she ignites those uh, blades that have been modified by Anakin and it seems triumphant. But then we're invited to go, well, Ahsoka's seen flashes of anger and she probably feels something in her gut. So what does she truly believe? Uh, but then it, it even goes to uh, one of our, our mutual favorite scenes, but one that you've been bringing up a lot uh, on Force Center lately, which is... Dooku uh, in Attack of the Clones just pretty much telling Obi-Wan Kenobi the truth and then Obi-Wan brings that truth to Yoda and Yoda's like he's a Sith you can't trust them they say truths and half truths to to send us spinning and it's really cool to see that Star Wars poetry of Maul told her the yeah. truth that we the audience know but it's totally believable uh, and has that great Dooku poetry that uh, Soak would be like yeah but he just he'll say anything Hey, yeah. You can't trust what he says. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love uh, you know. We love that poetry. We Star Wars fans, but that's uh, <laughs> that's a good. One. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to what I suspect will be uh, some fans' uh, favorite scene uh, from this episode, and that is Maul in a box. Uh, we got Bo-Katan and Ursa Wren delivering Maul in an old Mandalorian fo- Force wielder prison box. Uh, which were outlawed by Satine. Bo-Katan claims it's the last one. Let's just dig into that. Do you believe Bo-Katan? And just for Star Wars nerdery, how do you think this uh, these Mando boxes work? Uh, you got a Mando in a box. Uh, I do believe Bo-Katan. I do believe. I think she acknowledges a little bit of the, the past between the two uh, sides there and kind of... Uh, Pays homage to it, but uh, I, I think maybe while uh, while supplies last, I don't think there's a lot left. So <laughs> I'm going to leave Bo-Katan. How it works is they have um, the blood of Yusulamari. Um, <laughs> you monster. <laughs> dripped into the box, into the wire. <laughs> However, nice. hell you nice. say that, Timothy's on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why I just did not believe Bo-Katan at all. I just felt like oh, nice. I like that there was wow. this little bit of tension mm. between like there seemed to be this vibe like she was said in a kind of joking way to Ahsoka of like you force wielding maniacs. Uh, but it seemed like this tension of like we're cool with one another now in the way they shook hands was like very honorable, but it also uh, or shook wrists uh, is very honorable, honorable. But the way she said goodbye, Ahsoka Tana was like, we're cool now. We don't know what's going to happen next. Okay. Um, I think there's just a vibe there. It's not even like I think like, oh, Bo-Katan was going to marshal forces to take on the Jedi. Nothing, oh, yeah. nothing like that. I just felt like it was this moment of like we talked about. Bo-Katan is made 
these huge changes from walking away from Death Watch and uh, obviously feeling the pain of war, but doesn't know how to be Satine. And I think it's somebody who is probably thinking about how to keep her and her people safe. And there's a part of me is just like, I think Satine sent that order down to, you know, whatever ancient uh, catacombs these are stored in. And it was like, destroy them all. <laughs> and the workers are like, sure, we'll, we'll do. Nuh-uh. <laughs> no, I, there, you know, this is totally just my headcanon interpretation. I'm not saying, I think this is what canon is. I just got the instinct, like, there's thousands of these in the catacombs of Mandalore. And look, she, you know, she's, she's not wrong. You know, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. You don't no. know. No. Right. no. I, I like, I can get yeah. behind that. And for my headcanon, I think your Yasselamari blood is, is great and painful uh, because I don't, I don't like anything in in canon that uh, that just blocks out the force because luminous beans, it's everywhere, uh, is my take. I like the idea that it's just constant shocks, constant little annoying shocks, so oh, you yeah. can't concentrate enough to use the force. Mm. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff, by the way. I did, did the box, the box was, the box is fine. The artwork on it's great, but the, the, the breath and, and then that point of view did great stuff. Well directed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Let's dive into that because the aesthetic of the box itself goes into basically this really for Clone Wars extended scene of no dialogue. It is all music, all imagery, the March of the Mall box. Uh, we get it uh, brought onto the ship, put in a detention cell. Then we get uh, Soka and Rex walking on the bridge, heading into hyperspace. So we've got the box imagery, but we also just have a lot of imagery of Ahsoka and Rex moving forward. So in this whole scene, what affected you the most? What did it remind you of inside Star Wars and outside of Star Wars? Uh, it, it, uh, there was a little bit of, uh, um, no, I don't think they paraded him around. I think they did their job. I think, uh, it was, uh, it was as simple as that. I, I was trying to think, you, you said other things and, uh, you know, trying to go to where I, where I thought about, about other things. It's not necessarily a walk of shame. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. You got me yeah. you got me thinking about what else does this mean? Oh, uh, you know, is it something in a Muppet movie? Or no? <laughs> I'm not fishing for any specific answer. I know I saw a lot of people, yeah. um, you know, commenting on it. I think to me, it was just evocative of many things in star Wars, uh, but also just kind of pulling in different aesthetics. I think there was um, the, the box itself with that Mando helmet on it, knowing that it came from ancient uh, times, that there's this, you know, this beast, this monster that's contained, or is he? And it, it adds uh, that tension, and it, it makes you feel almost, again, for me, a sympathy for Maul being trapped and caged, and uh, whether, whether they're doing it for ceremony or not, you know, the troops in the Mandos are lined up and he is being paraded. It, it yeah. is like we caught the monster and we're marching him through town to see that the monster has no power over us. Um, so there's a ton of it mm. in, in there that it evoked all sorts of different kinds of horror movies going from the um, very creepy, uh, minimal, off-putting score in this area. The fact that it was these just kind of constant, slow-moving uh, shots uh, to the real honest, like modern horror of is the monster contained? You know, it reminded me of Hannibal Lecter. It reminded me of uh, scenes where people think they have uh, Michael Myers contained, uh, but the monster's still in there, still breathing in that tension of uh, when is the monster going to get out? 
Well, to go, you you mentioned the trusting the victory earlier, and this is you know where the music is starting to kick in. Kiner's just kicking butt on. You know, a lot of people are drawing the connections correctly to Padme's ruminations and Revenge of the Sith, and then the kind of the sounds of Order sixty six. A lot of the music syncs up. It's just beautiful work, but it's starting. The story's starting to go go that direction, and like you said, we got the monster, but this monster keeps saying that there's more monsters coming. And no one seems to, you know, the one, those that are hearing it aren't really caring about it. So it is this false victory moment, too. There's something about that I like. Yeah, I really like the ruminations, not only in the music, but the fact that it lines up potentially. Like, there's always wiggles in Star Wars uh, time, but it lines up with, you know, uh, Anakin left that meeting with Mace. He went and talked to the Chancellor. Uh, the Palpatine uh, revealed himself as Sidious. And he goes back to Mace. So there, there is the rhythm that this these moments could be happening. These ruminations could be happening at close to the same time. Uh, yeah. So there's that uh, great uh, literal connection. I like a lot what you're saying because I, I feel like it's this bait and switch because it has this tension of, you know, can the monster be contained? And then we have the great knowledge that he's not the real monster. So we segue from the box floating around all, all, uh, you know, Han in carbon, uh, carbon frozen kind of vibe floating around, uh, being contained. And then once the monster's locked away, we get Ahsoka and Rex marching past all of those clones. And you're being reminded this ship is full of clones. They're the real monster that we all know, you know, horror movies often function on who is going to pop out of the closet. And this one functions on, uh, the, the guy in the box isn't a problem. Everyone else is the problem. Everyone else is going to pop out of the closet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I loved, I love, especially seeing the, you know, the officer clones there, the deck officers and the, and the engineers and the techs and everything just with their faces saluting. Great moment. Great homage to Ahsoka, Ahsoka herself and in the past with them and everything. But Yep, I'm looking around going, I actually thought there's that one officer who comes in and and uh, says, hey, you know, Rex, there's a, a message or whatever. I thought I thought he was just going to pull out a blaster. <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> everyone is just suspect to me at this point. I got a message for you. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll uh, move on to the actual conversation that happens with Rex and Ahsoka. We've already, already talked about this a bit, but we want to dive into some of those more specific details. Uh, Ahsoka talks about being trained to be a peacekeeper, but since she was a Pad Padawan, she's only been a soldier. Rex says uh, many wish the war never happened, but clones wouldn't exist without the war. So it is complicated. Uh, Soka says, if the clones came from the war, I'm paraphrasing, then some good came of the war then. Uh, so the, we've got this moment of friendship. We've got the the knife twisting of, of what's about to happen. What did you make of this idea of good things come from war? Uh, hey, we talked about heroes on both sides recently with Lucas putting that in the crawl. I think, uh, you know, this to me... I was watching an interview with Lucas and Filoni. I think it's on the Star Wars show this week. There's there's a moment where Filoni's just like, yeah, I find like a lot of military people really come forward and they 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 love what we did with the clones and they connect with it. And I think, um, I think you see that you see those connections. You see the run, uh, those those run deep. Uh, the when you're out there uh, in the military, I wasn't myself, but but I think I'm just focusing on the clones, like. This war might, you know, you don't have to be a clone, but the war brought you together and it formed connections and brotherhoods and sisterhoods and 
and, and strong bonds that came out of that uh, bad situation uh, or came out of that struggle. And, and uh, I, I think you can always find those moments in life. And, and sometimes the, the path that, that brought you here might be full of some pain or confusion or, or trials, but then it gets you to where you are. And I think I, I took a look at it at that side uh, as well. That's, I loved, we, we knew this was coming. I think this was a clip they released too, but I just love that, you know, Rex is kind of after this battle is, is kind of acknowledging that like, not that he's like, rooting for the war, but it's like, we wouldn't be here. So I'll take that. I'll choose life as best I can. Yeah. I think it's a uh, beautiful and well said. I, I like that Rex is reflecting on the thing that caused me to come into being is going to end. That's what everybody wants. Of course, everybody wants the war to end. The Jedi are pushing hard for the war to end. If right now they're in this uh, weird space where they think, well, hey, if Kenobi gets Grievous, then good. War's going to wrap up. So to yeah. see him be at this place of not even, I think, wrestling with is war right or wrong, but just who am I going to be if mm. I'm not the being I was created to be? Mm. Um and I think when you kind of marry that with Ahsoka and the way they're talking about being a soldier, I feel like I was saying earlier, I think there's this uh, weight to the word soldier in the context of this conversation because Ahsoka is questioning some of the uh, just orders she followed from the Jedi Council. And mm -hmm. we know that Rex is about to be forced against his will to be just a soldier for Palpatine. But right. I feel like what they're talking about and what what you were saying really beautifully is that within being a soldier there is still individuality and freedom and choice and friendship and bonds and i like that it seems like in this conversation they're dancing with should we be upset about having been made to be soldiers and then they're coming around to well within that we we still made our own choices we still uh forged our bonds out of our will and we are together because we made these human individual choices yeah you know i don't i uh, i'm not a parent i'm not a soldier i'm not a parent but just the I, I saw someone post on facebook the other day like doing a survey for their podcast like all right if you would do could do anything else in your life differently what would you do and everything and one of one of our friends wrote nothing because i wouldn't have my daughter and that's kind of uh, something like this, uh, it's a, a, you know, flap of butterfly wings. Like you, Rex kind of is, they're all there where they are now because of where they came from. And, and you can choose to do with that as, as you will. The yeah. Power. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the butterfly of star Wars. Um, so this is a short one, but I wanted to uh, mention it. So Rex uh, gets that uh, message that he has a transmission from the clone who does not shoot. Uh, and it, there's the uh, reference that it's probably an update from Kenobi, possibly with good news. Uh, for me, this was one of the most uh, effective knife twist moments. Does it have any power for you? Uh, yeah, we, we talked a little bit earlier. It's like, I don't even know if Ahsoka believes this in this moment. She's so... Uh, lost in, in, in just the thoughts of what's going on. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You can always hope it's good news. Uh. Yeah. I think, I think this is, is, uh, down to my Obi-Wan Kenobi obsession that yeah. it, it just, 
I think it's partially that Revenge of the Sith novelization, too, that really builds it up. But it's in the movie of whether or not Kenobi should be sent. And, you know, Anakin's more powerful. He's clearly the better choice. And why is Kenobi being sent to do this? And I think there's even some of, you know, a little bit of Ewan McGregor playing that when he decides to jump down and it, yeah. pull the old hello there with Grievous. It is such a great triumph for Obi-Wan. And it should have ended the war and brought peace. And because he is my favorite character, I just always feel so horrible for him that his victory is immediately just <laughs> drenched in horror and failure. Yeah, poor Obi. <laughs> poor Obi. That's Probably the short drunk, version. Yeah, drunk at a at, at a Chalman's Cantina at one point, going, "I, you know, I, I ended the, the, I ended." Oh. <laughs> He he had four arms. Um, Sure sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sure he did, Obi. Sure he did. Uh, Moving on from my uh, Obi-Wan ruminations. So uh, Ahsoka and Maul both feel and hear parts of the death of Windu, the fall of Anakin, the rise of Sidious. How did you interpret what Maul and Ahsoka actually heard and what they actually know versus how much is sort of expressionistic and centering us, the audience, in what exact moment we're in? That's a great question because I don't think they, yeah, because I think on my second or third viewing, I don't know, some of the things I actually sometimes, sometimes I love just taking a good guess and and a philosophical guess and and I don't want a creator to give me the answer. I kind of would want to know what was intended here uh, because it's similar to some of the stuff with Yoda in the past and does he actually hear Anakin slicing Tusken Raiders and Qui-Gon screaming his name and, you know, or is it just that represents, you know, we're supposed to kind of, he's feeling it, but this is what he's feeling just for you, the audience know, similar to uh, during the rumination scene, Padme and Anakin's ruminations, Anakin hears uh, a lot of Palpatine stuff. Is that just what he is replaying in his mind or we as the audience learning? So I go back and forth in this. I think they're definitely all feeling it. It's similar to Yoda on Kashyyyk during Order 66. It's similar to Obi-Wan and Alderaan uh, back in New Hope. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of stuff going on. But I kind of like the idea that at least with, I don't know, with both of them, I kind of like that they're so connected to the situation, especially Ahsoka, that maybe there's a little bit of like, whoa, whoa, what am I hearing? Did you hear that? Like, I don't know. I I'm, I love it. I just love it. I think it 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 really works in conjunction with watching Revenge of the Sith. Like, and I know there's already been some YouTube videos up already of, hey, here's the two scenes side by side, that kind of stuff. Oh wow! With the music again, the ruminations into kind of that Route sixty Route sixty six. It's a old, not only an old <laughs> road, but an old team. Uh, Order sixty six. Uh, I, I, the, the third time I watched it, Joseph, it got me more than the other ones. Cause I had, I'd just seen, I just refreshed my mind with revenge of the Sith. And I'm literally like, Oh no, this is going on at right now. Like, like Anakin's doing that fast speed walk into Palpatine's office right now. Like, Oh yeah. no. So it all, it's all, there's a lot of just emotions swirling around this scene for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You, you said a lot of great things. And uh, I've never uh, thought to combine uh, Palpatine and, and Route 66. <laughs> Execute. Get your kicks on Route 66. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so that that's powerful. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a great ambiguity in what Jedi 
uh, hear when they are feeling things like uh, Obi-Wan in A New Hope clearly just he says he he hears feels, you know, voices crying out and silenced. Um, mm. We know that uh, Luke has some visions. It's, you know, what exactly does he hear and see of Leia? Um, I think Yoda in Attack of the Clones hears Qui-Gon because it's where he starts to be like, what's what's that about? Um, yeah. But I don't think he's got like this perfect image of what's happening to Anakin. Um, so there's all sorts of ambiguity. I think what I really took here is that we're partially hearing it in that much detail so that the audience is entirely clear on where we are. Sure. And it's not um, Ahsoka reacting to the pain of uh, the Jedi dying all across the galaxy because uh, mm-hmm. that's you know just a couple beats away. But this is a moment that is powerful to her and Maul. I like the idea that it's powerful to her and Maul because they are specifically connected to those people in that room where that is happening. Um right. Because it's not just like, hey, a great Jedi, like, you know, Deepa Balaba, you know, mm. uh, I haven't read the, that Kanan comic, but, you know, she would she would feel something amiss, but yeah. she's not uh, close to Anakin. But Ahsoka is close to Anakin. Yeah. Maul is close to Sidious in a way. Like, there's a part of Maul that thinks, that, you know, I should be there in that room where this is happening. I should be a part of this. Uh, so the fact that they're both intimately connected to those events... I like the idea that they are just hearing bits and pieces and snippets. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely full on connections there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, go I ahead. Like, of Maul being like, I should be in that room. <laughs> the room where it happens. That's where I should be. Uh, I think uh, Maul is a big fan of Hamilton is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so we move on um, to actual order 66. Finally, happening in the Clone Wars, the thing that has been hanging like a shadow over the Clone Wars since 2008. Uh, The clones are ready to attack uh, Ahsoka. Uh, Rex resists. Uh, There is a tear that goes down his face. He spits out, find him, find him, find fives, and then gives in. He fires on Ahsoka. There's a full-on assault. There's a lot of cool lightsaber action. She uh, escapes. Uh, Rex clarifies Order 66 to the other clones of exactly what it means uh, I've got a specific question, but first I just wanted to ask you, uh, big picture in that scene, did you have any specific moments that you really loved or really felt? Uh, oh, I, 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 it's definitely the, um, it's definitely the, uh, dropping of the helmet and the struggle and the pain. And, and I like that we get to see it. it it's, it's, I, you know, it, it honors this character of Rex a lot in my mind, but, uh, that we get to see it up in per- up front in person and that this, Order sixty six thing, and I, I I love the sequence in Revenge of the Sith. You know, I don't I don't I don't need uh, to see Tamara Morrison's uh, face in Revenge. I mean, I do. He's a great great guy, but I I don't need that. I don't need Cody to take his helmet off in Revenge of the Sith. But I'm glad we got to see some of that there. Glad that we got to to make it even more personal and and feel the pain. I uh, really you could feel just like him like what is happening. Uh, that whole thing. I it was really well done. Yeah. I think the fact that Rex, is, we have a history with Rex's helmet, but Rex's helmet with the the marks on them, uh, it has like a sense of history to it as well. So it, I think, is really powerful at just making you reflect on your own journey, uh, with Clone Wars and going, oh, we we saw the moment that these two met, and now it's inevitably come to this, is really powerful. Uh, it uh, uh sorry, sorry, uh, no. and we get to a specific question. Uh, 
this is all thing, thing too, going back to seasons one, two and whatever, when this launched and, you know, we're all doing that. We, we talk, we've talked a lot about like, well, what are they going to do with the Soka? Soka can't be there by the time Revenge of the Sith comes around. And here she is. She's not only around, she's around the corner in these great big scenes. But I think there was, from my point of view, there was always just like, wow, the, the last episode, episodes of the Clone Wars, if we had got it, like this is back when we didn't know it was going to end early, but like, oh, we might end all, all happy, you know, uh, the war's won, and then we know what's coming, dot, 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 we know what's coming next. To actually get to see it on this series, and we see it in other places, and it's wonderful or, you know, interesting now how, how we see it. To see it on this show, like you said, with the helmet, this is what made me think of it. Like, to have that drop and to see we get to experience it up close and personal, I didn't, I never expected to be get to see that, and it, that made it even more powerful for me. Yeah, and I like how much this final season, uh, as much as I would maybe have loved a little bit more time with uh, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Padme, uh, the main characters, I do ultimately like how this season is kind of making this declaration that uh, ultimately this story has to end with Ahsoka and Rex because this is partially, uh, not, yeah. not even partially, maybe primarily their journey through the Clone Wars. Yeah, Um yeah, I have some conflicted feelings about that. I, I know you do too. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those other characters were, I don't know, not present, and uh, they could have been. Um, but, but I, I, I so love Ahsoka and, and Rex too. But as a character, so, so it, 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 I'm very happy and satisfied. Yeah, yeah, and maybe we can revisit uh, the wrestling with those, uh, those feelings uh, on our next episode as we look at the, uh, the completion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good. Um, yeah, yeah, because there are definitely some some uh, some desires for more, more. So why do you think Rex was able to resist even this much? Obviously, it's painful, it's triumphant for Rex, but there's also, why why can Rex do that and the other clones can't? And, and how does it match up with his comment in Rebels about having a choice? I mean, it might just be that uh, Filoni values his own characters over. Uh, I mean, uh, um, I think um, I think there's something to be said. Uh, this is the, I don't know. This is really weird. I'm going to G.I. Joe, the original uh, movie is five part series. You know, there was a uh, Duke gets caught and uh, there's some mind control stuff going on. But he's he's just kind of that that person that has some internal strength and has some uh, experiences that allow him to kind of even though he, he has to succumb to it, he fights it longer than the next guy. Uh, I don't know, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Uh, not my favorite of the Jones movies, but he's through it. But he has, he's under the, uh, you know, a spell, but he, he's he's got something in him and, uh, that, that, that he can fight it maybe just a little bit longer than the next guy. I, I, I love that about Rex. Uh, Rex has been at the forefront. He's, he's a strong cat. He's a real individual and he's got some strengths that, uh, you know, Joe Schmo uh, clone doesn't have. And so I, I, I like playing with that, that the, it isn't as simple as uh, the the you know the, the the dudes on Kashyyyk who are like cool let's kill Yoda. I, I like that Rex is like, and then that tear is a really effective thing. It really is. Yeah, I think you I think you touched on the the word that the more I think about it is most important to me, which is the individuality of. Yeah. There's been. You could just say, yep, he has, if it was an RPG, he has, a, you know, a bonus to hit because he's main character, but I want it to be in the storytelling. And I feel like for me, the storytelling is we've followed Rex as he has 
made himself an individual. He is certainly somebody who has a great honor and pride in being a clone and in serving the Republic and in doing his job. But he has been partnered with a Jedi who, Anakin, who believes in individuality. He has gone through those lessons in some ways with Ahsoka, increasing their bond. He went through the uh, experience with Pong Krell, where he learned sometimes you do have to say no. Sometimes you do have to question and be an individual. And for me, he also went through this experience just a short while ago with the Bad Batch. And the Bad Batch is all about, you know, just because we're clones, we're not one size fits all. We have different abilities, different uh, perspectives, different experiences. And even Rex being sad to see Echo go, but know that Echo needed to make that choice for Echo because Echo is truly an individual. And I I want to believe that Rex's uh, ability to fight back is because he values being a soldier, but he is also an individual. Mm. Yeah, as a statement, uh, the bigger question, Joseph, is uh, what the hell's Commander Cody's problem? I guess Obi-Wan just didn't hang out after hours enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean I do I do think that is, you know, a a part of the storytelling that yeah. there certainly is kindness that the very first Clone Wars uh, weekly episode ambush is all about Yoda telling the clones that they have value that they are unique in the force. So I I don't right. think the story is that the Jedi don't value the clones. I think that there's a reason that we've gone on this journey with Rex, right? Um, right. And we've got the additional of, you know, he went through this with fives and and uh, fives fought to be heard. And Rex has this this doubt and this concern in him. So did that help, too? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean to undercut anything of the you know, uh, Lucas didn't have. You know, I would have loved if Lucas put Commander Cody taking his helmet off, really. But yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I think it, it, you get a chance to stretch out the legs of this story. And that's what it means. Yeah. Uh, cool. Th- uh, thank you for letting me ramble about uh, my no. my strong <laughs> Rex feelings. No, no. Um, so moving on, uh, Ahsoka goes to save Maul from the clones uh, and uh, releases him. He has this great moment of realizing that Sidious used the Jedi's army against them. We get clarity that he did not know that was the sort of master stroke of the plan and thinks it's brilliant. Uh, he starts to talk, teaming up with Ahsoka, and Ahsoka undercuts him, saying he's just a diversion. There was a lot to enjoy here. What did you enjoy the most? Uh, I'm not rooting for you. Now get going. That's that's <laughs> great, great stuff. Uh, yeah, Whitworth's always solid. Uh, Ashley Eckstein, you know, uh, gets a lot of praise, but don't don't ever overlook what she's done with this character from the beginning to now. She plays it uh, well. This is why people have such a strong connection with her and the character love the sequence love what it meant because i right away didn't i didn't know i, I couldn't predict it easily easily enough i know she's gonna let him loose you know I, I i had no doubts there but just the the in exchange between them was was definitely homage to these two characters over the years and then also what's to come a lot uh, left with them to come so i liked i liked all that uh some good comedy some good character character moments but also again um, Maul hasn't earned that. Maul has not earned it. Now, she was going to help him last week, she said, for a moment. But we don't know how that plays out. We don't know what she intended. You know, we know this is different, different circumstance. It really is. Um, and part of the reason it, she, he hasn't earned it is because what he ends up trying to do last week's episode, too. So I love that Ahsoka's like, no, 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 no. Go, 
go do your thing, chaos guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't, uh, we talked a lot last week, but uh, we didn't talk about that little arc with Ahsoka where it feels like to me, she was maybe going to give him a chance of like, okay, I'll, I'll consider it and you tell me what's going on with Anakin. And then I feel like the Maul kind of reveals himself and she gets that statement at the end of their fight of, eh, if we overthrow Sidious, you're, it's just so you can take its place. So it feels like Ahsoka for herself is like, I'm centered on what your deal is, Maul. I, yeah. I got your number. Um, uh, there's so much here that I loved. I loved that cut from the ominous clone mask to the uh, mask of the Mandalorian on uh, Maul's Mando torture box. That was just a great cut that, again, em- emphasized all this helmet imagery. Um, yep. I felt, again, pity for Maul to watch those troopers come in and they were just going to mow him down while he's pinned down in a box. And even though Maul is evil, it, mm-hmm. it made me feel for him. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we talk about comedy, but this is also just... We've had a lot of join me moments in Star Wars, uh, and we're going to get more. We had a great one last week. This wasn't a full join me, but it was the, yes, we can do this together. Follow me. So to have the great comedy of Ahsoka going, no, no, it's not even a consideration. We don't need any weighty music. The camera doesn't need to spin. Uh, You're just my uh, tool. Don't let me down. Best of luck. If you die, that's okay. See ya. Yeah. Can't you give me a fighting chance? No. I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> great. Yeah. yeah it's just a, yeah. Mm. Great comedy. Great. Uh, great. Uh, join me subversion. Uh, did you feel bad for Maul? I always feel bad for Maul, but okay. and you can be both, but you can be both. You can, you can be like, look, dude, you're a agent of chaos and evil and death, but you were placed in that situation. And it's all you knew, and uh, I think it's I think it's both. You can be both similar, similar to Vader, similar to Kylo. Uh, I, I, I that's one of the things I've loved. They've they've done with Maul. They took that blunt weapon from Episode One and added so many wonderful layers to it. Or I, sh- I shouldn't even say added, built on kind of what was uh, presented in, in in the brief moments we have with the character. So yeah, I, I always do. But uh, but you got to learn those lessons and you got to make those changes. So yeah. I, I, yep. Come on, Darth Maul. Or else you're going to get sent out without a lightsaber to be a diversion. Uh, So next up, we get uh, Rex and the clones uh, clarifying that they are searching everywhere, that they're destroying the escape pods. I don't think there's a ton to talk about here. I think it is uh, just important setup for the next episode. Um, Anything that you wanted to talk about there? How are you going to get off that ship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're going to have to crash that ship. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, so then we get uh, the great droid scene. Ahsoka sneaks to the droid room. She gets a very warm greeting um, from R7A7, who has, she has worked with before in the Clone Wars animated series, Gigi, and uh, the character we are jokingly calling Chopper's cousin, a CH33P, or Cheap. Uh, they find info on Fives, and scroll past a helpful picture of the of the Jedi, uh, Tiplar, who was murdered by Tup, uh, and they discover records of the... Kaminoan or Kaminoan, depending how you like to say it, uh, Nala C, uh, and uh, use Anakin's access code to get to Rex filing a formal complaint about the chips, that there is a bigger problem there. Again, a ton going on here. So in all of this, what jumped out at you the most? Uh, I, the droids, man. I uh, it, it made me think at first, I had a... I had to, uh, I had to kind of jog my own brain about R7. I was like, all oh, right, right, that's her astromech. And then cheap, obviously, is 
is new. And and actually, tell you what, for a second, I was like, why not? Why not just make it Chopper? But that's uh, I don't need those type of connections. But cheap is good. We'll have cheap and chop. Um, uh, so I love it. I love all the stored stuff because you know what it made me it, to me was uh, just a little homage, a little homage to Lucas's favorite Clone Wars arc, the Meber Gascon arc. <laughs> all those droids, you know. I'm, I I've had a complicated relationship with Meber Gascon, but if Meber had popped up in this moment, I would have been like fist pump. Meber's here. <laughs> like so, that to me is a testament to the, the storytelling of the entire series has been able to pull off. So. Um, I, I just, I, I was, a, a I love that scene. It, it's warm. And then as far as the recordings, there was, some, I don't know, there was some, something really heartbreaking about Rex doing that report, but also a little bit of just office politics, not even humor, but just like, yeah, well, this report's going to fall in deaf ears, but I got to make it because I have integrity and I'm doing this for fives. So like, I, I liked that moment a lot. Yeah, yeah. There was so much to liken this in a episode that had so much of a sense of doom, as we've talked about, and horrible things going on. This is one of those bursts of light that just, uh, you know, made made my heart glow. Uh, the droids were awesome. I I got a little distracted because for a second I thought, is this is this Chopper before some really awful things happened to him? But I really <laughs> like that Rebels connection. They make a point of saying that Chopper. Uh, served in the Clone Wars, so I like seeing a chopper-like droid in the Clone Wars. That's all great, but I think one of my favorite things about it is just that it was very explicitly made to be warm, that R7 was so happy to see Ahsoka, and that the way the droids gathered around Ahsoka, and she kind of addressed them like they were this gang of of younglings, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, they were, like, she is the uh, parent in the room, and they're happy to see her, but they're frightened about what's going on, and it, it humanizes the droids and it humanizes Ahsoka to be like, are you guys all OK? Are you sure you want to help me? Are you sure you want to take this risk? To me, it re it really did feel like this is a direct contrast of uh, what it, the way Anakin is treating younglings right now. Oh, God, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> My brain just goes places. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. That's good. Oh, that's good, sir. I have to rewatch the episode. I'm because you know what's funny. You know what's funny. You know what's so. It's fun. I stopped. I didn't watch that scene. I stopped probably because I had to finish my toast. But yeah, that's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, yes, I, I see it's going around to uh, Anakin's code eight one zero eight eight ten two thousand eight when the movie debuted. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, good code, Anakin, uh, but maybe a little bit more complex. Get some yeah. capital letters and symbols in there. <laughs> yeah. um, the Rex scene also really, really grabbed me. Uh, I think everything that you're saying is spot on of Rex at the time going, I'm a part of a big system and I'm a tiny cog and, and there's something fishy and I know you're really not going to listen. And boy, was he right because they locked it down and it is part of a conspiracy but this goes to like themes that uh, that we've talked about that i love in rise of skywalker of you think you don't have any power you think you're a little person uh but if rex hadn't recorded that if he hadn't said look this feels pointless i feel like i have no power mm. but i'm gonna do the right thing anyway it eventually made a difference because Ahsoka found it. And for me, those moments in Star Wars are powerful because there are, are moments in real life where I feel like, what, what's the point of me 
retweeting that what you know a million people just complimented this other person you know would it really make a difference for for me to compliment them and just uh, a reminder that doing something out of kindness or to try to make a difference even though you feel like in that moment you don't have a ton of power that you you never know how things are going to play out maybe it, it will be more important someday than it feels to you in that moment yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. It keeps uh, it keeps one of the things I bring up a lot in, in, in Star Wars and in real life. Just you, you don't know. You don't know where the successes, failures, or the little things you do. Uh, you don't know what they'll lead to, and that's why you should make the right choices as, as best you can, even when no one's watching. Yeah, yeah. Rex spoke up, and it ultimately made a difference because Ahsoka used Anakin's code to find it. Uh, then we get into another huge highlight of the episode, I believe, uh, which is the hallway or mallway of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maul does many, many cool force things to uh, attack the clones. Uh, what spoke to you here? Do you think there's some Star Wars poetry at work? What do you got? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's been a lot of uh, that with Maul, right? Uh, he's got Kylo Ren's kind of mind invading powers we see later on. This You can't help but think of the hallway scene. You know, I'd love to see, you know, I know a lot of these episodes were plotted out a long time ago. So uh, great minds think alike a lot. Um, but I, I love it. I, I, I just, you know, we just did that episode last week of enjoying the evil. And sometimes we root for the bad, go- bad guys. I mean, these poor clones didn't stand a chance. Uh, I'm not saying Maul's the good guy in this scenario. They're they're confused, man. They're doing their job, question mark. They don't know. Um, and it's just good Star Wars horror. And it's brutal. And it's disturbing it's good video game points (laughs) it's all of it yeah it is it's awful and it's thrilling and it is it it feels to me like this amazing uh, interesting connection to the vader hallway of death because it is both of them marching down a hallway Mm -hmm. and he does do a couple of those very specific moves he does a uh slams a, a trooper up into the ceiling and he does the rip away of the blasters so while there's some stuff that's very different there is some like Oh, did you like Vader's Hallway of Death where, well, here's Maul's and I feel like if we go on enough, you know, eventually uh, Kylo Ren will get a specific hallway and Count Dooku will get a specific hallway. It's like, is, is, is there like a, is there a scene we need to see of like Darth Vader at Fortress Vader reading like a pamphlet? So you've come to a hallway (laughs) to take uh, control of a hallway. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in a hallway with a Sith. (laughs) That's what the, the cover of the pamphlet says. And then. There's nothing inside because it's not okay. going to go well. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, there's been a couple different video games where uh, I've, I've been able to do the thing that Maul is doing. Uh, Bioshock in particular, you can uh, grab a piece of debris and hold it in front of you and, and catch all the blaster shots. So it was just it was really cool to see a uh, as cool as lightsabers are. It's cool to see a uh, powerful force user uh, unleashing without a lightsaber in such cool ways. And uh, again, reminiscent of the Vader hallway, the the door shenanigans were particularly yeah. brutal and fun. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's nothing short of terrifying, and and it's uh, it has its place in Star Wars every now and then. Yeah, yeah. So uh, amazing, amazing mall hallway quality time. So we're moving on toward the end of the episode. Ahsoka in the droids uh, capture Rex. Uh, by sealing off various doors and uh, enthusiastic stunning from R7. They take Rex (laughs) to the med bay, uh, and FX uh, medical droid can't find the chip. Uh, This is another big moment. Uh, Ahsoka puts her hand to Rex's temples and invokes the chant, I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. And eventually, 
Rex mumbles the same, and the chip now does show up on the scanner. So how did it affect you to hear this Rogue One line, and what do you think it means? Why did this chip show up as a result of Ahsoka and Rex doing this? That I don't fully understand. I'm going to be honest with you, other than it was just a beautiful moment. As far as the actual connection, I just like, yeah, I love it, man. I get it. The, the, the connections and, and those the canon connections can be, we've talked about it, can be misinterpreted or too much importance put on them. In this particular moment, my take, this is my take on it. It was a great kind of, uh, I don't know, much like Dryden Voss popping up in the previous episode. They're not big, giant things. Uh, I mean, there's more to this moment because of the force. But it's just this nice kind of nod to the last few years, which have been contentious at times and uh, not my Star Wars, not canon, all that kind of stuff. Some of the negative stuff. This is just kind of this, especially coming from Filoni, thy god, uh, to to acknowledge some of that stuff. I really enjoyed that. That's I, I, just me. Uh, and we can get this one has some meaning, I'm, I'm sure. But but you know what I mean. Just like I, I, I'm like, thanks, man. It's a big connected uh, universe. It is that. I think that's really great that you lead with that feeling because I think it is one of those meta moments where the creation of Star Wars sort of echoes one of the ideas of Star Wars. You know, there's so much to like Yoda's speech to Luke in Empire Strikes Back, and it gets supported lots of other places. This idea that we're all connected. We're all one organism and to see that sort of spirit extended from the clone wars and from Filoni to Mm -hmm. all of the other storytelling in star wars to say remember this is all connected you know if if you want to for fun you can rank which movie's better but it's all one flowing beautiful thing yeah i talk about that trace paper putting that tracing paper down a next level next level or like a uh like a woodblock print you know just you know each level each layer we talk about that we've talked about that for years till uh we are blue in the face joseph and, and jennifer as well uh to to see just to see these little tiny things that it meant it meant a lot to me as someone who's been in that fandom of like no no it's all there it's <laughs> it's the emotional canon i i like that a lot yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful turn of phrase of yours, the emotional canon. Um, how did it, uh, I, I understand, like, I think I have some intellectualizing of what that moment meant to me or what was happening in that moment in story to make the chip appear on the scanner. But uh, I want to just ask you how you, how did it make you feel in terms of in story? We talked about how it affected you as a fan and that connection to other media, but in that moment between Ahsoka and Rex, what did you feel? I, I felt their connection. It could be just as simple as that. It could be, you know, I'd love to hear your theories here. Is the dark side hiding that chip? Palpatine put some cloaking to, I don't know, but but their connection speaks to that. And to me, the force is more about that than anything, right? It's more than your powers or how you can smash the X button and kill some clones in a hallway. It is it is the connections with all the living beings around you. And so I, I took it in, in that. I, I, I don't know. I want to hear what you've got, um, what it really meant and how that worked. Uh, but that's where I went with it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think a lot of what you're you're uh, articulating in terms of feelings is, is what led me to my mm-hmm. more intellectualizing. Um, I think first, just starting with, it's amazing that we heard that from Rogue One, but who says that in Rogue One and what does it mean in Rogue One? And I think it's powerful that it comes from someone who is not a Jedi. He might be 
force sensitive to some degree. I think Rogue One leaves that up to uh, interpretation, but quite clear on he's not a Jedi. He's not been trained. He's a, you know, a guardian of the wills. And I think there is a sort of, it made me feel like this is a phrase that is not, that does not belong to the Jedi. This is not the Jedi reciting the Jedi code because you have studied in the temple since you were a youngling. This feels like this is a phrase that citizens use to connect to the force the way that uh, Chirrut was a true believer in the force, but not of the Jedi Mm. order. And the same way Ahsoka has been all of these things that I believe in the power of the force, those things aren't, they don't just belong to the Jedi and they, they don't just filter through Jedi rules. They are of everyone because the force connects us all. We are all luminous beings and to have Rex recite them back made it feel even more like that is a phrase that belongs to everyone. And just because you can't fully tap into the force mm. to throw things with your mind doesn't mean that we aren't all touched by it in some way. And that this was kind of a moment where uh, that truth in the force that we are luminous beings and we are connected and that knowledge, feeling, emotion can pass through that connection is sort of embodied by that phrase and it's powerful that it's a phrase that belongs to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the connection, connection to, to Sherrod, who, who is not a Jedi, is, is a very valuable point in this. Uh, and that uh, is, again, interesting that Rex says it back. Not yeah. knowing it. No. Rex is, you know, when, when has Rex said that before? <laughs> yeah. I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. Uh, I feel like it, it is a phrase that can say, I, I feel that I am a luminous being. I feel that I am of the force. I am of nature. And what that leads me to for what's actually happening, you know, who knows? Filoni's probably giving an interview right now telling people exactly what happened. But what I felt was it was reaching past the invasive programming to the individual. And it was like her trying to reach real Rex. And real Rex wants to, that part of him that is not his, that has been forced on him is, you know, flashing uh, like it's in a video game when she can connect with real Rex. Right. Yeah. I like, yeah. Getting, getting down to the real Rex of it all. Yeah. Getting down to the real Rex. Uh, And we're going to get down to uh, the end of the episode. Uh, Rex is put into the surgery tube and the droids in Ahsoka uh, hold off the clones who are breaking in. Uh, Rex awakens. Uh, there's that brief question of, is it going to work? Is he going to fire on Ahsoka? But he defends Ahsoka, and the team briefly seals the clones out. Rex tells Ahsoka the horrible truth. The All clones, it happened to all of them, are ordered to hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. Um, was this, for you, an emotionally satisfying story of how Rex got his chip out. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. This is this is where sometimes the expectations of how we think it might have happened. We have the stuff from Rebels and the scar and all that stuff, and you know when and where. You know, I wanted it to be in this episode. I wanted to see it, and I thought it would be in this episode. But it's um, it's a lot better than just him going. Wait, wait. Then they put a chip in. Give me a give me a fork. This is. Uh, <laughs> More 
powerful because it's it's uh, you know and, and by the way there, that there's a scenario where that works too if it's him and a couple other clones or something like that you know what I mean like uh, I, I'm there for it but uh, this is story that's presented to us and it really works to to bring in the force to bring in him all the stuff you just been talking about to even have the, the droids around this I could not have imagined that this is how the chip came out and that's why I love this so much I don't ever want to be right. Uh, of the creators, uh, uh, all the, all the creators in Star Wars. I don't I don't want to be right too much about what they do. I like sometimes following the emotional threads, and that leads us to things that are, are right. But I ain't in the prediction game. I'm in the enjoying what's what's there for me, and this worked in that. Yeah, yeah, and I I really agree with what you're saying because going into this, I felt like well, we had a couple statements, and you could certainly you know infer that well, wow, maybe this happened a long time ago, or maybe as you were saying, maybe it is going to be Rex immediately goes, I know what's going on. Uh, so I was waiting to see how much we would get this story. I love that it is fully, fully dramatized because it is such an important moment for Rex. I'm so happy that it did not happen off screen. And I'm really happy that it was a story that is, for me, about Rex striving to retain his individuality because that's what this story of the Clone Wars animated series has partially been about. Of We get a little bit of humanity in the movies uh, from Cody, but yeah. we've told this story where these people were you know, bred for war and manipulated and a huge part of the popularity and the power of this whole show has been no, but they're individuals. So to have this really important Rex story be about uh, finding that individuality, finding that connection to Ahsoka, and to have it be a story of of empathy uh, for Ahsoka too, because Ahsoka could have just been, yeah, got to get out of here, but mm-hmm. she had to save Rex. Not only mm-hmm. to, to know what, what is going on, but because it's Rex. It's mm-hmm. my friend. I can't leave him like that. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine not seeing this? <laughs> Can you imagine Rex is like, oh yeah, we we took those chips out a while ago. Let me move my hair back. See the scar? Like, uh, yeah. There's no way Filoni was gonna let that happen. Everything you're talking about, and gosh, you you know you know what? No, it just becomes even more of a more powerful moment is that little, little the little reaction from Rex when Soka doesn't return in Rebels at the end of season oh, two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so- watch that. And- cry can you pour can you drink wine at 2 p.m joseph is that okay <laughs> yes okay. yes i say uh try to hide the uh the sounds <laughs> of my wine pouring right now um just a, a quick thing i i really like they again in this scene when ahsoka is trying to keep the clones out i like that they are beginning to overwhelm her that they knock one of her uh sabers mm. out of her hand uh and i like that she's using the force that she's trying to push them away because i think sometimes the clone wars animated series could get a little too heavy on anytime you saw a Jedi, they were just deflecting stuff. So I really like Ahsoka using the force here. I like that. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about, how did you feel about this direct uh, quote, a uh, fairly direct quote of Obi-Wan, what Obi-Wan told Luke in a new hope of the hunt down and destroy phrase. How did you feel about that being used? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and used by by Rex, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, no, I like it because that that's um, not only just what has happened, and yeah, I know we we all thought that there was it was only uh, Anakin slash Darth Vader when we saw New Hope as kids, but I, I like the that because it all comes from Palpatine. So no matter he's going to tell them all, do what must be done. <laughs> that, that's yeah. what 
from. So it works for me in the exact phrasing to, to, to take your mind back to that, especially the first time you saw that movie or the first time you really were paying attention to it as a kid. I love that. Yeah. It just gives us weight that something is truly being lost, that the Jedi are being hunted down and, and destroyed. It sounds so awful. Um, all right, so we are going to wrap up this episode, as we always do, with just a, uh, a couple of uh, fun questions and discussions. As we wrap up, is there any other uh, character moment idea that you wanted to discuss that we missed? I mean, no, I know I know, we dug in pretty deep. Uh, I just, uh, just absolutely, um, you know, uh, you know, so I don't know. Sometimes you can hear my voice, at least. I don't want to speak for you, Joseph. So I, I love Dave Filoni. I love what he does. I love listening to him and George Lucas talk Star Wars. That interview on Star Wars show is great. There's about twenty percent of me sometimes that I'm like, eh, yeah, all right. He, he's 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 very aware of how highly we think of him, uh, and that's just me. That's my point of view. Don't don't read too much into it. Uh, uh, all props, everything, and him and his team. Filoni's not doing this by himself, everybody. And this episode, these last few episodes have really been seven seasons have built to this stuff. And the stories, um, the stories connecting to all of Star Wars. And that's why a lot of it's working for me. And I really did love this moment. Love this episode. Loved all of it. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, one other detail that uh, I really liked is uh, is hearing Rex say Lord Sidious because I have certain, so been on a kick of names, you know, and that yeah. it's, you know, last episode Maul was like saying he's going to reveal himself. And then to hear Rex use the name Sidious was uh, really powerful. Yeah. Uh, we end on a straight up cliffhanger, another cliffhanger of, well, there those clones are coming through the door. Uh, I know, Ken, you, you just said uh, some great things about not being in the predictions game. But I'm going to ask you, this is our last chance that we are aware of to yeah. have any predictions or hopes for the next episode of Clone Wars. So do you have any hopes, guesses, predictions? Oh, yeah. Look, I I, I don't like being right, but I do love trying to predict, you know, <laughs> I I they're they're heading to Coruscant. They're close to Coruscant, right? Anakin's on Coruscant. He's marching into the Jedi Temple. He's got to head to Mustafar. Is there a final moment? Like I said, do they? Do we actually see a final talk? And, and, and would that take away from the Rebels moment? I don't know. I'm open to see both directions. I love. I would love another bittersweet misconnection, and getting. I don't need to be. I don't need it to be complete setup for Star Wars Rebels with Rex and everything. I don't need him to grab two other clones and be like, "Let's head to a, grab that AT uh, AT or ATT uh, and let's head out." I don't need those direct answers, but uh, they're gonna to me. They're gonna get to Coruscant, and something's gonna happen in Coruscant. And and I think, I I think um, I think Ahsoka's gonna be convinced that Anakin's done some bad stuff, and that maybe track me, follow me on this. Does, does she have to think Anakin died? Do we think that needs to happen to make some I of the think, figuring out that it's Vader later? I that that's my instinct. I was flipping through that Ahsoka novel a little bit, and and I think part of where I'm at is that I just want to let this final episode wash over me before I get too concerned for myself as a fan of what lines up and what doesn't. Um, that there's a, I was just flipping through to a, the scene where she is in that novel is talking to Bale and Bale's like, I'll, you know, I want to let her in on stuff, but I can't, I can't tell her Obi-Wan's alive. That's given her too much information. Um, 
So there's little things like that about like how much how much are things in there. Of course, there's that opening uh, section with Ahsoka capturing Maul, which, you know, we'll see if anything lines up because she still does need to uh, recapture Maul or reconfront Maul or I mean, Maul's loose in that sh- ship. So <laughs> uh, something yeah. something Maul related is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of keeping an open mind about a lot of that stuff. I think a, a thing that I hope for is a point of connection that would make sense for me is even if Ahsoka doesn't have another near connection with Anakin, uh, if Ahsoka doesn't have another near connection with Obi-Wan, I would love Ahsoka hearing the message that Obi-Wan has changed in the Jedi Temple. Yes. Yes. Because it's trying trying to lure them all into a trap, and that's you know one of the reasons that Obi Wan and Yoda go back, uh, so that Obi Wan can reconfigure it to say, "Get out of here." Yeah. So, and then side note: Do you? Because this this season's definitely you know, Anakin, Obi Wan. You mentioned Padme, almost non-existent, uh, and and some of this stuff was already in place. Don't get me wrong here. Is there any is there any desire for you to see a, a reworked version or maybe the moments after of of Obi Wan hands over Luke? Do we want Luke and Leia at any point? Do you want that? And then then he hands hands it over to Beru and and uh, Owen. And as they're staring out the end of Revenge of the Sith, do we do we get a moment with Obi Wan? Do we I, get it a Yoda moment? I want an Obi Wan moment because I have uh, a borderline Obi Wan problem. But as I was thinking through this, uh, I think what I want is I absolutely want to feel like this finishes the story of the Clone Wars. So I would love a montage where we do see Anakin slash Vader, uh, where we do see uh, Padme, uh, Obi-Wan, Yoda, but blended in with a montage that ends with Rex and Ahsoka. And for me, the ending is like, okay, the war is over and now we're in the new era. It is the Empire, and the good guys uh, all have to go into hiding. Yeah. So, you know, what montage would fill that out? You know, I almost feel like I would love to see a moment that we haven't seen with Obi-Wan. You know, like, mm. with him, you know, riding up to the uh, the Lars homestead or, oh, yeah. or you know even some little moment of him you know just staring down at Luke himself you know long before he hands him over um yeah something that gently gets us to the war is over but the scars will remain and i would love a montage that that captures that and maybe even shows us new or or moments that that resonate with that idea yeah, I mean, there's a lot to play with. It. You know, the moments after maybe, you know, maybe Ahsoka feels Anakin burning on Mustafar and considers that a death, uh, and feels as as that's a death, and mm. we see Obi Wan walk away from that. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of those little things. I don't. know. There's room for they, they because they've they've established that possibility because of what they did so well in this episode and, and have done in the last few. But be, we we're literally moments before, moments after. You know, on, on Revenge of the Sith scenes, it could yeah. work. I mean, I'd be open to some of that stuff. Yeah, but we got a lot to do. We got to get them just off the ship. We got to deal with Maul in some way. Uh, Rex and Ahsoka need to make the choice to go into hiding, I would imagine, and go their separate ways. Again, who knows? Uh, they might be very, very pleasantly surprised and uh, find out things that we we didn't know happened and, and are delighted to discover 
new things. But I did want to ask you, do you have a desire for the final, final shot? Um, gosh, man. Uh, yeah. What is that? What is that? I don't know. Cause I want it to be hopeful, but there's not a lot of hope in this time. So, uh, you got Owen and Baru holding Luke. That's pretty hopeful in Revenge of the Sith. So is there, is, and we, we've seen, it'd be weird to just go to, I, I mean, I'd be open to seeing Leia and Brea and Bale. Um, I don't know. It'll probably be something with Ahsoka. Uh, that doesn't, I, that sounded off. Let's sound like I was disappointed. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a great thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, because I'm thinking, because we got, you know, with that, that Vader comic, we literally have the moments after that with Masa Media and, the, and then, then the burning of the lightsabers and we go to Vader's story. Like, there's a lot of things, so I, I think it makes sense it would be with Ahsoka and Rex. Maybe that's the handshake and we'll see or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that... Luke uh, at the sunset as a, sunsets as a baby is a great bittersweet, but we can still end on, on a moment of hope. And I feel like obviously Clone Wars will do that, but I do think the last shots will be uh, Rex and Ahsoka or p- perhaps just Ahsoka. I wonder if they're going to do something with the image of Ahsoka walking away because that has been such a significant image yeah. of Ahsoka. We talked about last week, lots of or a couple weeks ago, fateful moments of Ahsoka walking away. So instead of just staring at the horizon, maybe it's Ahsoka walking into the horizon. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Poetry. Star Wars poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Rex and Ahsoka walking towards two different horizons at the very same time. Who there knows? You there you go. Very, very excited to see whatever it is. Uh, if you could have an action figure uh, from any character from this episode, who do you want? Oh, I mean, come on. I, this might be your answer, too. We definitely got to have Maul in the box. <laughs> 100% my answer. Uh, I wrote down on my note sheet, Maul in a box now, and underlined it, underlined it, underlined it. Oh, absolutely. New oh, most wanted figure. <laughs> take that box by itself is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we are coming to the end of this uh, mega-sized edition of Clone Wars Report. So much to talk about in these really beautiful uh, and important to Star Wars lore final episodes of the Clone Wars. Ken, if this podcast episode had a moral, what do you think it would be? Don't hold too tightly to the answers you have written for yourself. Hmm, beautiful. Just let go. You are not mall in a box. You are free. (laughs) Let yourself go. That is a great moral, Ken. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been The Clone Wars Report. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.